Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 61 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. During its relatively short existence, Clover's studio produced a triumvirate of significant and memorable titles. Beautiful Joe, Godhand, each a candidate for a future issue of this podcast, and in between those two, their theological folktale of the wolf deity Amateras and her Ponkel, a diminutive humanoid artist familiar named Issen, cleansing Nippon of demons with an array of celestial paintings and powers. Akami. Joining me, Leon Cox. This week, James Carter. Hello. Joshua Garrity. Hello. And special guest from Midnight Resistance and Joypod, Sean Bell. Hello. I'm not that special. I feel like you've, you've built me up. Well, you're from, you know, special places. <laughs> Midnight Resistance and formerly Dark Zero. And uh, our friends at Joypod. And David's been on before talking about Left 4 Dead. And yeah, uh, right, we're hoping did. to... We're hoping to get him back in the spring for Spec Ops The Line. He's busy being married, though. I don't know if if you're going to be able to do that. He is married, yes. He's not allowed out anymore. (laughs) I think I I get the impression that his uh, wife was a tyrant before. I doubt doubt (laughs) anything will change. (laughs) I noticed, you know, uh, you've recently started cohabiting with your your long-term partner and he was, you know, very sort of, yes, you will not be able to game anymore because that is how it is when you cohabit but of course that's not everyone's experience yeah it's not really the case for me but no poor David (laughs) (laughs) he's literally made his own bed no probably literally hasn't made his own bed Anyway, this sort of banter is not very Cane and Rince-esque, so <laughs> let us Sorry, talk I'll, I'll about... I'll leave if you want. I don't... <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I led us down that path, but it's perfectly fine. Pleasantries <laughs> are allowed, despite what they say. Uh, let's talk about our own personal histories with Akami, starting with our guest, Sean. Did you play it when it first came out on the PlayStation 2? Or I did. did you pick it up later? Uh, I played it... Well, I actually... I'm trying to think. This was uh, back when... I thought it was okay to pirate things, which I've since, mm. you know, don't not really something I do anymore. Um, this was back when, like, I, th- I think it might be something I got into purely to play Akami. It was definitely like Akami and you know, like Clover's other stuff, like God Hand, um, that mm. made me get into. You know, in the PS2, you had, have you ever seen a PS2 swap tool? Uh, yes, it's a yes. Terrifying contraption. It's a bit of plastic. Basically, you have to take off the front of the tray of the PS2 and shove this piece of plastic in and wrench the disc tray. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And I wouldn't I recommend doing it. I just had a chipped, a chipped machine for playing imports, uh, uh, which would also play 
Pirates as well if yes. I wanted it to. I would occasionally, as I've mentioned before, mm-hmm. if I'd paid for sub substandard PAL codes, such as in the case of, <laughs> well, on the PS1, I'm thinking of Tekken 3 and Metal Gear Solid, and then I would pirate the NTSC version. That, mm. that also happened on the PS2. But Akami, of course, did actually come, even the PAL version came with a 60 hertz option. It did, yeah. But I think, wasn't it, like, for a long time, it wasn't even, like, clear if it was coming out in the UK or not. Probably, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and I mean, it's strange. Like, it's one of the the game, like one of the few games that I can remember. I mean, two thousand six doesn't seem like that long a time ago. It's but, a way ago, but I remember like it was one of the games that I was just desperate to see anything about it, like in magazines mm. or like tiny horrible videos on like IGN and stuff like that. You know, because this is. I mean, when did when did YouTube start? I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, probably about two thousand and. Four or five, I'm I was like, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But I just remember, like, it was one of those games that I just, especially with it, its really strong visual and st- style and stuff. Um, it was like being really keen to see anything about it, but that still not being something that the internet was doing with the regularity it does now. If you know what I mean? Um, it was, yeah, strange. So you ripped it off? Did you, it off. did you? I did. I did buy it as soon as it came out in the UK. I should point that out. Good man. Um, did you did you did you play it through and complete it? Because one of the things we're going to talk about in a minute is why so many people start playing this game and then stop playing this game. I did. I do you know, do you know what happened? I I started playing it because I was at university when this all happened, um, and then I got a, I got a fair way into it. I got to Sayan City, I think, and then stopped playing because I had loads of uni work to do, and then basically and then came home for the summer with literally my PlayStation 2 and I think I'd forgotten my wallet with all my games in right but the only game I had was Akami which was in the disc tray in the tray so that Beautiful. was yeah that was what got me back into it and then I did finish did finish it yeah yeah I think you you got past the point where a lot of people give up mm. which is really quite early on let's see if that is true for any of the rest of us James uh no it's a game that obviously I've heard a lot about but um Tempted to pick up PS2 version, and then when the Wii version came out, tempted to pick up that, and just kind of never did. I guess because some people said the PS2 version wasn't ideally suited to drawing the um, the celestial brushstrokes, mm. um, and then equally well, people complained about the Wii version being difficult to draw as well. So mm. yeah, um, it wasn't actually long after that that rumor of an HD version started being mooted. Certainly by the time the um, the move was out. I think this was on the cards, and so I hung mm. on, hung on for dear life until that came out. And uh, <laughs> I only played it a couple of weeks back. So, uh, and the HD version. HD version, PS3. yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Josh, um, I didn't play this back in the day, but um, a couple of years after that, about two thousand eight, um, I tried to play the Wii version. Um, and I didn't get on with it at all, uh, mainly because of the Wii controls. I found uh, just drawing a straight line to do that slash attack, I found that hard to do with the Wii. For some reason, i just wobble about yeah. and, and create you this You could hold down line. a button to uh, dr- to tell it to draw a straight line. That was I think oh, a lot of people I? missed that. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Well, a lot of people missed that. A lot of people missed that. That instruction's yeah. actually still in the HD version as well, though it's not necessary at all. No, because the the move obviously has much better fidelity and whatever. Um, yes, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about the versions in a minute, and there there are a few controversies about the Wii version. Mm. Uh, so, was this your? Did you? Um, when, when did you a play year, through a, it? A year later. Um, I decided, okay, I really should play this game. It's considered a classic. So I decided to play the original PS2 release. 
and playing that version i had a i fa- i found it a lot easier to um get to grips with the controls and painting and all of that stuff mm. and managed to play through the whole game in about a month very nice uh yeah i remember the the promotional videos uh, i can't remember where i saw them whether it was you know youtube or ign or something but i do remember the some of the early footage um of Amateras uh, bringing life back to the areas, and I did. Mm. And I, I'm not. I'm not saying this with hindsight. I genuinely thought this was one of the best looking video games I'd ever seen, and I couldn't mm. wait for it to come out. But when I did finally get hold of it on the PS2 in 2007, when it came out over here in February, uh, it was almost a year between April 2006 in Japan, September in America, 2006, and then February here. Um, I did the thing of, I, you know, I kept starting it and thinking i've been really excited about this game but getting put off by various things from about the opening and having spoken to people since and for every person who has played it all through and says it's you know it's a magnificent game i don't know many people who have completed it and not loved it but there are a lot of people who have never got past either say the first hour or the first five hours and again i picked up the wii version a few years later and I got further, but I still, I don't know, it never quite clicked with me. And there's there's a few people on our forum who have said similar things. And now I've played the whole thing, without spoiling the summary at the end, that seems insane. But it seems to be a relatively common experience. Anecdotally, there are a lot of people who give up on this, whether it be the first hour or the first five hours or sometimes even ten hours. And I'm really interested into your thoughts as to why that is. I mean, the, the opening intro isn't great, is it? It's, <laughs> it's very it's, slow. It's really slow. It's just a whole bunch of text. And, yeah, that seems to pull a lot of people off. I think it's the fact that you can't Actually, even speed the text up, can you? You have to just yeah. let it go. Yeah, a lot It's of, weird. There's, there's certain scenes throughout the game where that's the case, but yeah. other scenes you can speed the text yeah, up. Yeah, which makes it, it more annoying when you can't. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, so that opening crawl of text, which explains the backstory... Uh, is quite long mm. about 25 minutes I think yeah really? and there's Jeez. yeah <laughs> and there's a lot of exposition and it's done with sort of in the the sort of style of shadow theatre mm. I suppose mm. um, and then when you finally do get given control you're put into this rather surreal area and there's only uh, there's a few there tends to be only a few steps before the you know this the screen is cropped and something else is explained to you mm. I it just I my my assumption why I gave up and why other people do is that it's just it feels it's it's very staccato and it's holding yeah. your hand and it doesn't give you really it doesn't give you any indication of the incredible array of powers and it's almost like they know that they're going to have to give you so much stuff throughout the game because they do to play with that they have to start teaching you how to use some of it straight away but that makes for a really interrupted beginning mm. Yeah, and, and without the backstory, a, a lot of what's going to happen 30 hours down the line would lose its power because yeah. you come to realise what's going on. We'll get to the story mm. later on. But you mm. need that information to begin with, and they just decided to do it as an info dump at the beginning. Yeah. I quite liked it because I thought it was quite stylishly done, and I was quite interested in it. I, I read through that story and was fine with it. But yes, it's it speaks to the same problem uh, people have with, with lots of other games where you end up asking, is it a game? You know that opening section, or like you know Metal Gear Solid Four, it, mm. it feels like you're not really playing a game for the first half hour or so. 
I just think there was it, there would have been a much more elegant way of handling that, um, like having that story given to you in bits and pieces while you're playing the adventure instead of just dumping it all at the beginning. Mm. I think it would have been interesting just exploring the environment and then Issun just comments on something, oh yes, this dates back to 100 years ago when you had this epic battle with Oro- Orochi mm. and stuff like that. Mm. But I, I I kind of understand why they wanted to make that stuff clear because otherwise later on it just would have gotten really confusing. I just maybe thinking about implementing that information in a more elegant way. Okay, so uh, the writer-director is Hideki Kamiya, who uh, before this had worked on Resident Evil's 1 and 2 and Devil May Cry and uh, Beautiful Joe, of course. And the producer is Atsushi Inaba, mm-hmm. who uh, has been around at, uh, had been around at Capcom for the longest time. He worked on R-Type Leo at the arcades and things like Samurai Showdown, as well as Devil May Cry and Steel Battalion. Lots of uh, Capcom classics. Um, although Kamiya san is the writer it's obviously it's a kind of the the whole story is a big mashup of classical mm. japanese history folk tales and theology um and i understand the title is a pun because that's right it's yeah. it's a kanji pun isn't it based yeah. on the word or the symbols for god and wolf being the same is it yeah um, there's yeah. there's yeah. okami spoken can mean either but the way it's yeah depending on how it's written means god yeah means god or wolf something like that yeah. That's right. I think that's right. Yeah, anyway. um, God or Gamma is actually, it's just Kami, but I think, yeah, the way they're written, they look, or right. they're pronounced yeah. similar, but written different. Um, Shiranwi, or however, in all honesty, pronunciation is going to be atrocious on this, I'm sure, <laughs> but um, the the old name for Amaterasu in, in the game is also, uh, plays on the fact that the kanjis are different, but the pronunciation's the same. Oh, right. There's two different meanings for, for that word as well, so... Um, well, I, I don't know if we want to go into all this side of uh, of the game now, but it's it's actually quite interesting peeling back all the different layers and the way they've brought all these different folk tales together. So, uh, I think uh, one thing I read is that Amaterasu is a female wolf god in uh, in mm-hmm. the Japanese and UK versions, but is possibly genderless or even male in the American version. Really, in the, in the translation. Yeah, I'm, I could be wrong about that, but I've I've read something about that. The idea that you couldn't, you know, it's weird. It's it's confusing and difficult enough. The fact that you're playing as a dog uh, yeah. or a wolf, the the idea that you'd be playing as a as a bitch dog as well is just <laughs> you know it's a step too far. Because there are some um, things I don't know if this is getting off topic. But there there are some bits in certain cutscenes that would imply, well, certainly implies that Amaterasu is certainly into girls. <laughs> but, I, mean, I think it's Issen who's normally doing the letching though isn't it yeah but yeah. There, are, there are bits where Amaterasu's like heavy breathing and staring at characters chests and stuff yeah hmm. yeah it's it's a bit strange but I think the the from the point of view of saying that Amaterasu is, is female it seems to well certainly for me I was trying to work out why it was that I assumed that I'm going to say she was but mm-hmm. it's because every time you unlock a new celestial power um they they greet you as um, mother of us That's all. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now yeah. that could just be like for ships, we say they're female, and for gods, maybe in this case they refer to it in kind of a mother nature type way. It's re- well, refer in, to the god as female, but sorry, because uh, yeah, Amaterasu yeah. is a I was going to say real uh, Shinto uh, goddess. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is, yeah, the goddess yeah. of life and the sun and 
possibly some other things. And yeah, she's, yeah. And she's definitely female in Shinto. And um, the, the sequel proves right. that she's female because in Akami Den, Chibitaras is her puppy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's not, I've, not, I've not played the DS one. No, I have it, and we're not, we're not covering it in the show because I haven't yeah. played it, but uh, yes, that is out there. Maybe one day we'll do a show. Mm. So, um, the Wii version came out in April 2008 in America and June 2008 in Europe and Australia, but not until October 2009 in Japan. Interestingly, it was converted by Ready at Dawn, who previously were only really known for the God of War Chains of Olympus game on the PSP. So, interesting choice. Strange choice, mm. perhaps. Was that the reason it was released in Japan? Was that to do with how unsuccessful, sort of a paradox type situation where they decided it had been less successful overseas and therefore they wanted to get the Wii version out there because Wii was the popular console at the time? Mm. Mm. And then Japan, they you know had more success with with this game there on the PS2, so it wasn't such a pressing issue. Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, there were it various counterintuitive, but yeah. it does. Yeah, it's a Japanese yeah. game and a Japanese console, and yet it came out yeah, much later there. Um, I'm yeah. not. I'm not sure. Um, while it did add widescreen, that was a that was a plus point in the Wii version's favour. There, the the aforementioned control issues, even with that straight line button, I think, which was holding down the B trigger while painting, um, it was still often harder to even just you know draw a circle to bring the sun or to bloom a, a plant uh, than it was with a analog stick. Uh, there was also the fact that they very ready at dawn apparently complained that they weren't given complete assets and complete code for the game so although they did yeah. they did do a com- you know it was a complete version it wasn't missing any in-game content it it perhaps you know wasn't the production it should have been um and they also toned down famously the rice paper looking filter on the graphics and there was mm-hmm. no option to tweak that whereas in the the recent version which we'll talk about they've added not only the rice paper filter option to have it uh, to have it very low in the mix or in fact to have it stronger than it was on the PS2 version. Uh, there was also the little matter of the fact that the US version uh, was such a sloppy release that it came out with an IGN watermark on the cover of the box because Capcom took their own artwork from a video games website. What the heck was that all about? Oh, Jesus I think Christ. A, there is a general lack of care surrounding the Wii release in general I think. I mean yeah like what I heard about the yeah, the, the situation Ready of Dawn is they were pretty much just given a copy of the game and go, there you go, you got six months. Yeah. And that yeah. was pretty much it. Um, so actually, they you could you could argue they did a pretty decent job because well, yeah. basically there is a full and playable version of Akami there, but it is definitely the last, it should be the last version that you elect to play if you have the choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like they, you know, the, the main omission was the credits, although that was largely for legal reasons, wasn't it? Because well, of... Capcom claim it, yeah. Cap- yeah Capcom suggest, but I think other people have suggested that it was more a bit of a hissy fit because all this talent right. had left, all the yeah. Clover Studio talent had basically left to set up uh, Platinum Games, which was initially called something and then called Seeds and then called and then they became Platinum Games. But I don't know. Uh, it's back in the uh, the HD version, the yeah. credits. The Which I was really thing. happy about because not only yeah. do they, um, yeah, you know, like the credits have been redone in high def, um, and also at the end of the credits, there's like you know it lists like all the people who helped with the HD conversion, mm-hmm. and there's like a special page of those credits for people who just did the credit sequence. Yeah. Um, so it's obvious that work has gone into it. Which is Absolutely. Nice. Um, 
so yeah up to the point i have no sales figures for the recent ps3 version um but before that the only information i could find is that total sales of the game uh under 600,000 um and the uh, guinness world record gamers edition gave it a special uh, award for the least commercially successful winner of a game of the year award <laughs> which is uh, a bit Thanks. of a shame yeah. <laughs> but obviously if you go to game rankings or metacritic and look at its review scores uh, it's pretty much unanimous love and praise which i think you yeah. know for those people who have only started it and then not played beyond the sticky opening are perhaps slightly baffled but uh, hopefully we yeah. can explain why if you know Assuming, I mean, I but anyway, kind of, sorry, I, can, I can understand why, like a lot of you know Clover and then Platinum stuff. I I understand why it doesn't sell because it's weird. But like Akami seemed like a a pretty safe bet. I thought like everyone said it's like Zelda, mm. and everyone and you know Zelda does well enough. Mm. Um, so it's it does seem genuinely strange to me that this didn't do better. I was going to say, I wonder if it would have done better if they'd stuck with the initial plan, which was when it was first in development, to have it as a more, you know, photorealistic. It was, yeah, it was realistic game. looking, wasn't it? I'm talking to people who haven't played the game. I was, I forget who it was, but somebody mentioned that the art style made it the game look like it was going to be really high-minded, and that put them <laughs> right. off playing the game, which, to <laughs> having played the game, is ridiculous, because the game is so full of humour, and is mm. so light-hearted. Um, I think the art style might be the reason why this game wasn't embraced as much as it should have been, mm. um, because it... it, it it conjures up preconceptions. People imagine what this experience is going to be, but it's not really what's in their head at all. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think you say it's like Zelda, but you've got to factor in the Nintendo effect in that, you know, Zelda is popular True. because of the legacy and because it's Nintendo. Mm. And it's one of their, what, big three or four uh, main series. And, Making a game like Zelda doesn't necessarily guarantee success. Mm. And Darksiders is a is a sort of modern take on that. And despite the fact that it's got all these ingredients that you would think would make it successful, and it's certainly more successful than Akami uh, was, um, it it still hasn't hit the numbers that that they expected to, and certainly not Zelda like numbers. You know, it just mm. it's it, it's not necessarily something that speaks to people outside of. You know, like us, and I would have thought the noise that people make and and the the plaudits that are laid on this game would would encourage people to play it more than, than it does. But maybe that doesn't again get outside of sort of hardcore gamers, for want of a better a better term. I don't know. I was going to say, I wonder if more people will try it uh, now that it is. Uh, you know, it was full price game on the PS2, mm. and maybe people thought it was a gamble because it was. You know, it looked a bit it looked a bit different. Um, and then the Wii version was a sort of mid-price release, wasn't it? Thirty, thirty-five pounds. But mm. now, now it is available for sixteen pounds or the equivalent on uh, as a download. You know, it's there if you fire up your PS3. Okay, it is PS3 exclusive for mm. reasons that Capcom have justified, but perhaps not <laughs> successfully. Um, but there it is, and you know, regardless, uh, I think maybe some people will think, well, you know, sixteen pounds is a lot for a downloadable game. But uh, I, I'm sure we'll go on in the show to explain that there's a lot of game, there's a lot of quality for your sixteen pounds, and presumably it'll be on sale on you know PlayStation Network at some point, and uh, 
maybe more people will be willing to give it a go at a you know kind of no risk entry fee it would be a great uh, PlayStation Plus uh, title to go on their instant game collection. Oh, yeah. I think if if people had this available free and got stuck into it, obviously there's that hurdle at the beginning, but um, it might just prompt people to, to give it a go. So this HD version, which I bought on day one and would take as my excuse to finally play this game, along with the fact that we were going, decided to do a podcast about it, uh, was made by the clever people at Hexadrive which is uh, an Osaka based uh, team who also span off from Capcom themselves um, although the, I knew them previously for their excellent work on Mizuguchi's Res HD mm. uh, the XBLA version of that which was a damn fine version um, they upscaled it beautifully added a 5.1 mix they even included the entire original game with um, uh, with its original aspect ratio and all that so this is a team that you know takes pride in its work I guess I like uh, Blue Point in that regard not one of the you know quickly knock it together and bash it out team of HD merchants um, although having said that they were also responsible for Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater 3D on the 3DS which I understand is not <laughs> quite in yeah. the same it's a bit rubbish a bit rubbish <laughs> yeah okay. but, but then how much of that is limitations of the the hardware mm. yeah who knows hard to say uh, they also made uh, the third birthday for the PSP which is a um, it's a relation of um, Parasite Eve isn't it I think yeah right. more than that I don't really know and they're working on something called EX Troopers uh, anyway they created a new process for this game to turn Akami into HD. Now, I don't understand it. There's a, there's an article which uh, is linked to in the forum thread about the games uh, where a guy from Capcom, Capcom actually spoke to the R&D department about it. Uh, it involves converting things rather than just simply upscaling them. Um, by feeding visual information into a set of algorithms which then reinterprets the visuals at an insanely high resolution Mm. like 4 million megapixels or something I'm making that up uh, and then is able to generate it all into into a 3D space and do all that clever stuff so uh, the short version is um, as wonderful and as amazing as the original game looked uh, this version looks completely incredible. It's, I think it, it's the best example of a HD remastering I've ever seen. Yeah, like absolutely. there have been plenty of good ones. Like the Ico collection was good, and the MGS one was really good. Both by Bluepoint. But this one just looks so good in comparison to the original. It's it's just I can't imagine the amount of work that went into this. Yeah, the um, I I don't know why it happened, but the attract mode when you get to the the start screen on in this in the HD version, um, plays a video that is clearly taken from yeah. Yeah. the PS2 version. I guess um, I'm not. Sh- I, I like to think they included that just to, to show everyone <laughs> how much work they put into this. Yeah, um, but uh. I, I can't imagine it. It wouldn't have been easy enough for them just to capture some video themselves rather than putting in what looks like an old. Uh, or the original track mode it might have been or an old trailer or something but, they'd have had to re-edit um, it all because it's all choreographed yeah, to the music yeah, and stuff isn't yeah. it so yeah, I yeah. mean after they <laughs> made all the effort maybe it was just a stretch too far but as you say yeah. it actually serves rather nicely as as, it does. as a comparator uh, yeah I think it's uh, like 
yeah I, I just think it's there are there are proper moments when you just you can just let the controller go and just look at it and the, I think the only there are only a couple of elements that betray it as a previous gen game which is the draw distance for certain things like the animals that you can feed uh, tend yeah. to appear at the very last second um, and I suppose you could argue the way that uh, sort of trees and things realign themselves in your view but actually you could argue that that's more to do with the art style rather than a yeah, limitation there's, this, um, there's a weird thing where if you are just spinning the camera around yourselves any sort of plants at the bottom of the tree start spinning around the tree trunk Yeah, yeah. it's this really sort of almost a stereoscopic effect on it um, uh, and I did wonder if that wasn't an artistic choice but it may be something I don't know if it happened in the original obviously but it may be something so. that's to do with the uh, I wondered if it was something to do with the HD conversion, uh, the way they the way they rendered the objects from the the method you mentioned, Leon. And uh, happily, this came out. Every version came out within three days uh, or two days of one another. Thirty first of October and first of November two thousand and twelve. We got it the same day as Japan, or the day after. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it includes, and I, I really like the way they did it. The the move control, which obviously takes from the, uh, the the Wii version but adds that extra fidelity but it also allows you to you can drop in and drop out of that control method at any point mm. so mm. you don't have to select at the start I am playing this entire game with the move if you don't want you can muck around with it if you get tired of holding either the nav controller or a dual shock in your left hand you can just turn it off and go back to the the standard analog stick control so I really like the way they do it Who did anyone play it with move all the way through I would have done if I'd had a nav controller, but holding the dual shock in your left hand gets a bit tiring. Yeah, I didn't even realise that was an option, just holding the, the the dual shock like that. I just noticed on the screen when you start the game up, I was like, Jesus, people actually do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I just played it with a standard controller and have a move control. I'm not sure I would have used it, even if I did. It feels I like it would be quite it would fun. Be to- Sorry, go on, Leah. So I was to say, it, it seems like like I I played with it a bit, and you know, actually slashing things with the sword in the same way as you do in Skyward Sword mm. actually mm-hmm. does add a certain amount of you know visceral okay. in immersion. Yeah, I, wonder, I do wonder how easy it would be just to sort of on the fly pick it up to do your uh, brush strokes or to to go into combat and then put put the move controller down and just resume with the dual shot because I think mm. moving around the world would be what would frustrate me a bit. Uh, yeah. Using the move controller doesn't feel like the natural way to control a, what looks like a third-person action game. So. I think by later in the game you're using your celestial brush technique so often and so, for much, so many yeah. things. And you, yeah. You, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, maybe. Uh, prob- probably I would I would suggest that the best way to play it would be with the move and a navigation controller. Uh, in the same mm. way as you would play Skyward Sword, but I I played the vast majority with the Dual Shock and it was absolutely fine. Once once you learn how to draw the gestures with the analog stick, uh, you seldom make mistakes. It does take there is an acclimatization period. Mm. Um, it also helps once you realise that the screen is actually showing you whether your technique is going to work or not with indicators that you're touching the right sort of substance, whether it be mm. fire or water yeah. or plant material um it took me a while to to twig that actually it does tell you Mm -hmm. that you're making the correct movement it kind of um sort of auto locks onto them as well doesn't it yeah not just the pen over yeah which which can be tricky at certain points yeah uh, in some (laughs) of the battles where there's so many elements around you and actually all you want to do is a single stroke across the screen without Mm. contacting the elements it can Mm. be a, a little bit of a sort of pick your 
pick your uh, sort of pin spot on mm. the screen and, and try and uh, even when you are holding the the right one button down to uh, paint though you do still retain and it, you know it, it becomes a you know sort of ink wash looking canvas but you still retain mm-hmm. a certain amount of camera control so you can still change your perspective oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. and you have to for the cherry bombs I found because otherwise mm. you place them too far behind or in front of the opponent you're trying to hit with them so mm. do you know I, I never even use the cherry bombs in combat so. yeah same here <laughs> I, I do all the time just because it, it for some of the enemies, I found that if I did that, it very quickly got them to the stunned state, or right, see. yeah, just um, or could knock them out of the sky, or um, yeah. the the enemies that beat the drums and come up from the ground, you can hop behind them, or you can just hit them with a cherry bomb when they come up, mm. and either way, that that stuns them enough. So. You see, or, I just blinded them with ink, so they ran around like <laughs> completely mental, like what's going on, and then attacked them. This yeah. is this is another of the elements, and we'll come on to it talk more fully that i think is undersold when people talk about this game is that the there is actually a lot of strategy and depth in the combat because of there's an enormous yeah. menagerie of enemies uh, by the end of the game you've seen dozens and dozens and they all have their own tricks and behaviors and uh and you have so many different powers and weapons and options and combos available to you by the end if you've especially if you've repeatedly visited the uh, the the sensei um you can really do a lot with the combat and New Game Plus is just a sheer joy but I'll come on to that as well uh, so the only thing missing from the HD version is the the closing song uh, which I didn't miss because I've never heard it before it's by <laughs> Ayaka Hirahara and it's called Reset and it's uh, it's there in the PS2 version but not in the HD version but it is on YouTube and I've linked to it on our Facebook page so if you want to hear that it's there if you're going to play the HD version um, at this point, I, I think it's only fair to issue a spoiler warning because uh, we probably will talk about what happens. Um, as I say, this story is its full of mythical archetypes anyway. I don't think it's not a game that's necessarily full of surprises or twists. Um, there's a couple. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, a, it's, it's, there's a lot of good versus evil going on. And mm. and that's the story it tells. Um, there's a slightly bittersweet ending. So yes, you have been warned against spoilers. So let's talk about the scenario and the characters. We've we brushed on it. So you play the wolf god, god female Amaterasu, and as I said at the start, she has a uh, often compared to Navi a familiar, who again apparently this relates to something in Japanese uh, folklore, is a tiny inch high artist called Issen, uh, who is obsessed with breasts. And I know, again, from talking to people, a lot of people find his particular sort of take on Lilates or whatever you want to call it, or, you know, Banjo-Kazooie style gibberish, exceptionally grating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm one of those people. Um, I, I found not only was his voice annoying, I just found everything he said to be really horrible just his <laughs> objectification of women throughout yeah. that game is a bit <laughs> See, I'm, I'm glad you've mentioned that because what's been hilarious to me replaying the the hd version was yeah so back in the day 2006 uh yeah it's okay Ison's a giant pervert and he bangs on about cute babes all the time and it's a bit weird but now it's 2012 i've 
seen Hideki Kamiya's Twitter account, mm-hmm. and I understand <laughs> that, like that, that's who his son is. It's just Hideki Kamiya, like <laughs> obsessing over women. That's what he does. It's really um, weird because the um, the the character name and and the idea of the character comes from the this folk tale of the one inch boy or inch high samurai. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and the idea is he's almost like a Tom Thumb character who yeah. leaves his parents and goes into the the city to find his purpose in life with a needle for a sword um, and ends up becoming companion to a princess. And when mm. you get, when you think of, of that, I mean, there's, there's a, a, there's a very romantic story to that in which they're attacked by an Oni, which is just a demon. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up inside the Oni and um, uses his needle to, to attack the Oni from within, defeats him and, and the demon coughs him and, a mallet up and the princess uses the mallet to make him full size and they then <laughs> fall in love and get married and that's a really sort of romantic sort of Tom Thumb style story um, uh, and yet he's portrayed in this way where there's just there's no real well there is sympathy for him in some respects but it's tough to relate to him for the way he <laughs> behaves towards almost everyone mm. including Amateur Ass for, for a lot of the, the game you know um, it, it okay it's all banter and fun but um he refers to her fur- as furball and and often makes quite disparaging remarks about her, uh, you know, frequently through the the story. Um, yeah, he's he's a difficult character to like, I think. But I <laughs> I, I, I kind of found him like interesting. Him. Yeah, yeah, I find him interesting <laughs> because of you start to build his backstory and you realise the the folktale that he comes from and and there's a lot to the character. It's just the way he is on screen. Maybe he doesn't make him the easiest to, to get along with, I suppose. You get to go I mean, to the Ponkle village right. later in the game uh, yeah. and you yeah. go into it by using the magic mallet which appears and shrinks you down and that's pretty awesome. Because, yeah. um, I mean, apparently there's, you know, yeah, saying the you know the story of the Inchai Samurai and stuff, apparently mm. there's there's tons of stuff in Akami that's similar to that. It's like it's all, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like references to Japanese folklore and stuff that we mm. just kind of don't get because we're all from the UK. Um because I remember the the PS2 version of Akami in the back of the instruction book, it had just like a little section um, that were like, "Here's a couple of like references in the game mm. that you may not get." Mm. Um, but even then, it was just like you know, tiny little like you know, three line descriptions of some of these stories and stuff. Like you know, yeah, like with this one, it was it's just kid, little kid, ran away from home and found the princess and blah blah blah, and it was like yeah. really brief. Um, but it was nice that they bothered to include that still. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays, obviously, it's easy enough just to take almost any character name and, and type it into uh, Wikipedia or Google and, well, and yeah. find information about it. I mean, um, for instance, I, I obviously recognised Orochi, who is, that's the main sort of evil force in, in the game, um, for most of it, at least. Mm. Um, I, I recognised that name from Warriors Orochi. Um, yeah. And so I immediately thought, ah, okay, this is something in Japanese that's that's a cultural um, yeah, yeah. Touchstone, for want of a better phrase, um, and it turns out that that Orochi is an eight-headed, eight-tailed snake or dragon-like demon mm. that was defeated by a, a warrior called Susanu, as opposed <laughs> right. to Susano um, <laughs> that we see in the game. And there's no reason for them to put that in the game, really. But I do like the fact that they're saying, okay, in our version of events, this warrior goes to take down Orochi and has the help of the gods on his side. But that just never came through in the legend or the myth that, mm. that we all know, you know. Mm. Um, and also, I mentioned earlier, um, 
I'm going to go with Shiranwi because that's how it looks. Uh, that's that's Amaterasu's name uh, from the very beginning of the game when originally uh, she and uh, Nagi or Naji defeated Orochi. Um, that word actually means unknown fire, which is this weird um, will-of-the-wisp-like optical illusion that you can see on the seas off of Japan sometimes. Um, and it was thought to be uh, like flames from the gods until someone actually proved that it was hot air from fishing boats <laughs> mixing with cold air in pockets and swirls and creating this optical illusion, which kind of destroys it. But in in a way, it's it's nice to have that that sort of magic magic to it all I suppose yeah, um, yeah. and and that's one meaning of, of this word or the way it's pronounced but the way that or the word that is used for this character is a different kanji but pronounced the same and we means uh, white wild majesty which mm-hmm. is what the people in the village call this uh, wolf that they think is in in league with Orochi, which I kind of found quite interesting that they would call this wolf a majesty, given that they seem to treat it when you you get to that stage in the game as more of a terror than a than a majesty. But mm. I guess it's that feeling of majesty being something that's unknown or untouchable. Yeah, kowtowing to a, a yeah, more yeah, power, powerful force. Whether yeah, you, yeah. it's almost like you don't even know if it's malevolent or not, but you're too scared to. Even to find, find out, out yeah. Yeah. which mm. is the way people revered gods, really, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, and still yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so obviously, um, this game is long. Now, um, it, my completion time on on my first full playthrough was forty two hours. I think you can do it a lot quicker if you don't go for anything spare. Maybe twenty five to thirty hours. Uh, you could, if you want to, kill every last monster and every last list. Mm-hmm. Do every side quest. Collect every stray bead. I reckon you'd be looking at eighty to hundred hours. Easy, yeah. Yeah. Oh, those stray beads, man. Like, <laughs> like I knew for, just from some of the awkward places where I did find them, I was like, mm. I've already missed tons of these. There is yep. no way I'm finding every single one of them. Fortunately, they carry over to New Game Plus. Yeah. Oh, they the, do. The weird thing was yes. there was the there's um, there's one point at which you've got to um, you've got to set a light to an arrow that an archer's firing across mm. the river mm-hmm. to get them to bring down a bridge. Uh, it's about, what, a third of the way through the game to mm. get to um, say, is it Say City? Sayan um, City, yeah. Sayan City, yeah. Um, and as I was going across that bridge, I spotted uh, a flower up above me that's one of the flowers you can you can use your celestial brush I know on the exact to. one you mean, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you get four flowers along and run out of ink yep. and fall, and then you think, okay, maybe I'll come back well I thought maybe I'll come back later once I've got more ink and then Mm -hmm. I suddenly after a couple of times going back across this bridge thought hang on I've got an infinite ink um, item I can use so I did it got to the end and got a stray bead and just was crushed because I thought I'm not going to get all these stray beads (laughs) I didn't need that one I was hoping it would be something decent at the end of this you know I don't actually know what the reward is for all the stray beads but I've just just googled it because I'm curious okay Um, Apparently, it was put in specifically as a tool to help you do like subsequent playthroughs really quickly. Yep. Um, it uh, increases your attack damage tenfold and wow. gives you infinite health and infinite ink. What I would say about that oh. is, and again, this will be relevant later, is that the game is quite easy enough as it is, and yeah. the uh, on uh, I've I've started my new game plus playthrough, and I've got power. You retain. Uh, most of your weapons and mm-hmm. all the power-ups that you've got, basically, and I'm killing everything with one hit as it is. <laughs> so, yeah. 
uh, but I, I, yeah, I assume all the stray beads is basically going to make every boss like one hit. I, I'd be really, I, I should have looked this up before we recorded. Uh, remiss of me not to do this particular bit of research. I'd love to know what the fastest time you can get through this on a new game plus is because you can skip virtually everything. You, if you've got all the stray beads and you've got this ridiculous attack power, I reckon you could probably get the game down to maybe ten, twelve hours or something like that. Maybe mm. fifteen. I don't know if you knew it inside out. Mm. Um, it, that it must break the pacing of the story though completely. I mean, I know you're skipping yeah. all the story, but at a certain point, other than just for the sake of a speed run, why? Just why? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's one you're of those stories because like, it's fun. <laughs> it's like the story kind of plays on how long it takes you, doesn't it? Like you know when um, when you when Issen goes back to the uh, Punkle village. And he's like, man, it's been like an entire year since I was mm. last here. And it's like, obviously, you know, you've know, you not spent an entire year playing the game, but it's kind of like, God, yeah, we have done tons of stuff. Yeah, It actually tells this, you on the completion like, screen how many days passed during your that's adventure. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And there's there's awards for, uh, like on the PS3 version, they've added trophies, of course. And one of the trophies is for getting um, a... Uh, the highest ranking in all these areas, including speed of completion, number of deaths, yeah. and so on. Um, and you're more likely to get everything on a new game plus because of all these extra powers. And so, if you know, if you're a trophy collector and you or, or you love the game and you just want to, you know, get the platinum for that one, you have to do that. So, I, I would love to know if the ability you get to turn day into night affects the number of days. It must. must I was do. wondering that, would, that yeah, myself. Yeah, that would be great. Because you use that did. quite a lot later in the game. Yeah, to and, find and stuff. if yeah. and equally well, if you timed everything you were doing absolutely perfectly, mm. you might be able to do it and get to a place that you needed it to be night four at exactly the right moment that it was night and you didn't have to move time forward. Mm. For instance, you know, I never actually time. timed how long a natural day is. They're pretty quick, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sort of five Zelda esque, five ten minutes, something like that. Probably. I've just again, I was intrigued. I've just googled for mm-hmm. examples of short playthroughs. Um, people have managed under five hours. Wow, yeah. that's that's with all the beads. Obviously, it must it, it must be quite dull though, because that's <laughs> yeah. You, it, it's all going to be running from one place to another to go and yeah. see a character or fetch something. Yeah, and just and avoiding all the fights, all the combat, and, and all yeah, the story yeah, yeah, is just yeah. This is a very specific minimalist. style of gaming that certain people. Yeah. commit themselves to but it's yeah. it's definitely not for everyone but I always find it interesting because it gives you an indication of how much sort of content there is and, and obviously mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. case because it has got this new game plus um, there is you know there is reason to replay if that's your bag you know yeah yeah uh, apparently if you use glitches you can get it down to about 2 hours 25 minutes Wow. I don't know what those glitches are, though. Sequence breaking, I guess, and yeah. Yeah. going through geometry and stuff like that. Yeah. Probably there's really probably places stuff. where you can grab a vine that you're not supposed to be able to grab to get higher yeah. up and stuff <laughs> like that. I, I did kind of wonder if um, the cat walk you have to use just to get up to that higher level in Shinshu Fields, whether mm. if there was a way to get up there, you could just bypass... The God, first, yeah, if you just go straight, yeah, straight the first eighty percent of the story, if, <laughs> you know, easily I would think it's the sort of game where you know, as well as all the exploring that's been built into it, it's the sort of game that people will obsess over and mm-hmm. try to explore in ways that they couldn't before. You know, like the old classic example is people getting onto the roof of Mario Super Mario sixty four's castle before the end of the game. You know, stuff like that. Clever stuff. Um, obviously, we're not going to go through the whole story because it's very long. Um, uh, I think the most interesting thing about it for me, you know, you meet loads of characters. There are loads of side quests. Uh, there's a lot of 
um, memorable sub arcs to the story where you're collecting an army of dogs or uh, you know fishing is a common one of course and all these things and it's one of those where you think back to all the stuff you've done in the adventure it's quite overwhelming Um, the thing that surprised me the most is the sort of three act arc to it where you think you're you could be forgiven for thinking that you're about to complete the game when in fact you're only the third of the way through because you fight what has been portrayed to be the biggest baddest thing at what is only yeah it, the 33% it, it, it's the mark. end of act one yeah that's yeah. the end of act one yeah 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 and it definitely plays on that on purpose doesn't it mm. yeah because you know i'm pretty sure it even says like you've just begun like this isn't even yeah. <laughs> you know this, yeah, this isn't even kind of an ending this is yeah. just the start of it and yeah and because like you say that that whole intro as long as it is like you you feel like you've closed off the story that that started like you feel like well yeah. what else could there be like you've told me yeah. you've set up the situation at the beginning and i've resolved that so what you know <laughs> and and it's brilliant that not only does it go on to be much longer and introduce all these new things but it's still you know there are still callbacks to the whole Shiranui thing and it still ties in yeah and it gets better and better as well and and the answer is you know and this is you know sort of one of the big spoilers is that there are you know the Orochi is just really just a part of the evil that is um you know infecting the land of Nippon and in fact it comes down to the uh nanny the uh, nami the the core of evil that you fight in the final the epic mm-hmm. final boss encounter Who's like a little like tadpole in a jar? Yeah, in a big <laughs> in a big thing. And of course, I'd played uh, Tatsunoku versus Capcom, and uh, and that's the final boss in that. And I was like, "What oh, really? the?" Yeah, and we're like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> so when I do finally play Akami, I'm going to be fighting an an orb with a claw at the end. But actually, uh, that boss that b- boss fight is pretty clever, um, as yeah. as are lots of them. Yeah, but easy. Um, yeah, and again, we'll come back to that. But is is there anything else? Uh, like the the only thing I really wanted to say about the story, because obviously, we, you know, we're not going to go through it moment by moment. Um, we couldn't even begin. Is that the end is 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 extremely bittersweet? That was the one thing I wanted to talk about. But are there, are there points that people had things they wanted to say about before that in the story that we should really talk about? I I, re- I really liked it. It felt like a very layered version of a fable you know because fables often are quite short and succinct because they're trying to make a point and this just felt like something like that blown up so massively and it just seems like every bit as much as something like lord of the rings it's got that much depth to it Mm. it seems like every line every comment every character you meet every civilization you you interact with it's got this really fantastic backstory to it and you get a sense of there being this great history behind everything and myths and legends and just really fantastical i thought it was it was really well done really pieced together nicely yeah Yeah. it's like it's one of those games it's like uh leon sort of touched on it's like you sort of you think back on everything you've done and it's like like it feels like a real adventure it's like you know like the stereotypical thing when like when you're in primary school and you're asked to write about your summer holidays or like if you went away or whatever and you know you do the whole and then we went and did this and then <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's like it's kind of like that it's like you know like we we went to the forest and we met this guy called Wacker he was a bit of a jerk and then we went and saved this kid's dog and then we went to the city and everyone was poisoned and then we cured the poison and then we went under the sea and met the dragon people and the, like it just keeps going <laughs> like it's exactly endless it, yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Totally brilliant. Uh, absolutely sort of thing I love about video games. Uh, you know, and the the Zelda games to which it obviously owes a debt. Mm. That sort of thing. Like, oh, do you remember when we went to the Zora Kingdom and it was all mm. magic? It was all beautiful, like a seaside resort. And yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and then we made some sake and we drunk. We made the evil monster drunk with the sake and then we beat its <laughs> head off. Having you play as a wolf was a genius move because for me personally, I don't know if this is the case for you guys, but I felt far more a part of that world because I was a creature of that world. Like when I Mm. fed these animals and healed the land, it wasn't just like I was this human trying to, you know, uh, make uh, better what I had ruined. I felt like I was bringing peace and healing my world this was something that belonged to me and was a part of me yeah it's like you because obviously yeah like you are like a you know a if not the god um but it yeah but it makes you sort of experience everything sort of well literally at ground level it's not like you know compared to like black and white where you sort of you know you can be good or bad but for argument's sake let's say you're trying to be good it's like you're still sort of ruling over these little people, mm-hmm. whereas in Okami you're like you're running around doing all these stupid errands yourself, yeah. and then yeah. everyone's like, "Oh man, this is like a gift from the gods. This has been sorted out. This is amazing." And I'm like, "Yes, yes, it is." <laughs> like I know you just think I'm a wolf, but yeah, and it's like it's just cool that you just running around just getting shit done on like just by yourself. Yeah, like is yeah, yeah. I, I love the fact that um, all of the gods, because there are um, thirteen of them. That you meet plus plus obviously yourself um they're all animals they're not humans because obviously it, it's it's very much a, a christian western thing to think of god as having made man and, and humans mm. in his image so mm. therefore we always think of god or gods as human looking and in this world they're just not they're they're yeah. animals and and there's a there's there's something nice about that to take away that self-centered notion that God should in some way look like us mm. for no apparent reason. Um, I, I really liked that that, it, that you were a wolf. I mean, there's not many games where you don't play a human, really. Certainly in no, terms of third-person action, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so it's great to be a wolf, and also I I still take the character as female. Um, yep. I, I think you know this is a, a, a female animal character, and there isn't a great deal of anthropomorphization goes on because you are seen as a god and therefore in many ways different to no and we, we were you talking know, you about don't, you don't talk or anything I was, either i was about to say we were talking yeah. about silent protagonists in relation to yeah. half-life recently and <laughs> the only thing you say in this game is rough 
Uh, and you can piss on enemies once you get that uh, the taunt ability as well, which yes. is pretty awesome. Um, I think the I don't know whether this comes into story or gameplay or whatever. But, um, it's actually uh, I suppose it is closest to story um, because it's non-interactive. But um, can't undersell the feeling of power that you get from the scenes where you restore areas of land. I yeah. think those are some of my favourite cutscenes and. Fortunately, they don't look rough like the intro sequence does. They they appear mm-hmm. to have uh, redone them uh, in HD. And uh, there's there's one in particular. I think it's the uh, when you first get out to the coast area and you work your way up and around these cliffs and you fill yeah. in these lakes with water. And when you finally uh, heal the tree at the top and it and there's that set, you know it bursts out from the center and you know grass and flowers and the water splashing and the fireworks and the music playing yeah. and i got i got a proper multiple video game hairs on the back of the neck orgasm <laughs> at that point um and like while i've been starting this new game plus playthrough the only th- scenes i'm not skipping are the restoration ones because they are f- yeah. fucking magic <laughs> i think it's kind of like you say i mean all right so they're, they're not interactive but they work as well as they do because these are areas that you have just been like trolling around, like say sort of trying to avoid specific bits, and like you, you, like you never sort of, you know, it's never like you enter an area and the tree's right there and you can just restore it straight away. It's always like it makes you explore it a little bit, but you feel quite oppressed and you, you know, and you've experienced the environment. So when you see it, like say when you see it, like explode with all the flowers and stuff, it's like like a huge breath of fresh air like literally it's yeah, yeah. so it's a, both a reward and a catharsis it's amazing yeah there's also a certain satisfaction of just running about those environments and thinking i did this mm. <laughs> yeah. i'm the reason why this place is beautiful <laughs> and you get a nice amount of feedback from the people you talk to you know you'll go and speak to someone when you come into an area that's um that's sort of decimated by the the evil curse hanging over it and you'll speak to someone and they'll say oh you know we can't get to the village down the way or you know this curse has come and it's completely wiped out my my land and and you know they seem really down the dumps the whole mood is very somber and then the difference once you've um once you've restored the lands is is really striking i also Mm. i like the fact that and, and a lot of games do this but in this case it really struck me that in so often we think of you know wanting to see our effect on the world when we play a game and mm. oftentimes that is through destruction whether it's shooting someone or or through blowing something up because we you have to because of whatever reason they happen to want to give you mm. um in this case it's very much not you know yes you you kill some enemies but it's all about restoring the world to the way it was yeah. um and as you find more out about the story you realize it is all about restoring it to the way it was because of what happened to bring this evil into the world um, and so it feels much more like creating something which is a great feeling to have in a game where you're playing a god mm. um, I think I, I really liked uh, that aspect too it, as much as yeah, of course I enjoy shooting and killing and destroying in games but it, it does remind me of the feeling uh, you know this was a time when it was perhaps even more unusual in in gaming in, in 98 to uh, to play Burning Rangers which was a game where you were rescuing mm. rather than killing and that game had a lot of problems technical and stuff but the actual feeling of coming away from a game session where you've helped rather than destroyed mm. is different definitely yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, the, the, other, the, the main thing I want to talk about with the story, and like, it's almost better not to you know, talk about all the little bits because you know, there'll be more fun for people who are listening to this who haven't played it, but um, the ending uh, is sort of bittersweet because uh, Amateras, having done what she needs to do, at least in this incarnation, sails, sails off back to the celestial plane. She doesn't need to be uh, in, incarnated on Earth anymore. But I actually found the bit uh, where you're fighting the the final boss and mm. uh Issen, Issen's redemption even though this mm. is a sort of you know pretty much a religious allegory I, you could take it anyway and I found the bit where he goes out to the world and he helps he's been with you the whole adventure pretty much by your side mm. in your collar in your fur jumping out and talking to people and being a lech and and generally insulting you but he goes off to do his job as a uh what's that what are they called um the celestial envoy thing. That's uh, one, yeah. envoy celestial that's envoy, it yeah. Yeah. Envoy, envoy, yeah yeah um so he goes out and you actually see that he's used his artistic skills to spread the word basically he's like the equivalent of those shitty posters you see outside churches <laughs> saying you know like uh, in tech speak telling you to that jesus is great with an eight and you know that sort of thing but actually in this in this scenario in this context i found it incredibly moving that it's yeah, gone I off was, around the world because i i mean i literally finished it this morning um, oh, lovely. As you know, because I was tweeting about it. Um, yeah, I was welling up in that bit. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you say, it's sort of, if if this was a real life thing, like you wouldn't, like you say, we, we all find those, I mean, well, personally, I'm an atheist, I find those people really annoying. But, <laughs> but because it's, yeah, because it makes it personal, it's like, this is your friend who's trying to yeah. make everyone believe in you because yeah. you're a god and you're yeah. trying to save the world. So yeah, it's that's my reading. Good. You know, my reading of it was that he's. It's it's like that. It's okay in in this case in Akami, you are a god, and so therefore mm-hmm. you have to buy into that. Uh, in the same way as you buy into any fiction in any video game, but mm-hmm. also uh, as an analogy, it's yeah, it's like your your best friend, your companion, doing mm-hmm. something really wonderful to you to give you this belief to do something yeah. good. But it's also I, I liked the fact, and and it for some reason when I think about it, it could have been very trite and probably will sound like it when I describe it. But he's just been refused entry to the the ship that's going to depart to the heavens um, because he has not fulfilled his destiny. Mm. This is just Isun himself, aside from anything he's done with Amaterasu or anything like that, he has not fulfilled his destiny and. Okay, it's sort of immediately afterwards he does fulfill his destiny and does become the celestial envoy he needs to be. But nonetheless, this character, this odd, tiny little um, ball of of emotions and hyperactivity that probably would have annoyed a lot of people throughout the game, gets that arc. You know, he Mm. could have just been this, you know, voice in your ear to give you some amount of interaction with other characters that you need to talk to and then just being refused entry and you had to go on on your own and that could have been then Amaterasu's end to to her arc. But it gave Issun some closure as well. He got to do what he was great at and you'd heard that he was a painter. all the way through the game and and you realise that he was going to follow in the footsteps of his grandfather and mm. I really like the fact that you hear this great myth about what happened a hundred years ago and how you're not the same god you were before and, and the envoy's not going to be as great as, as the envoy was then and uh, Sus- uh, Susano's not going to be uh, able to live up to, to Naji and 
what you actually realise is the myth was more than it actually was at the time, and you get to live up to and exceed that now. And and that was all part you, of it with this. I mean, you, well. you you're involved in the myth as well, aren't you? Yeah, like you actually yeah, like yeah. contribute yeah. as well. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, like the thing with with this, and it's funny because like, how do you guys feel about Wacker? Because I like for me, he sort of follows a, a very similar arc to Issen yeah. in that he's like kind of annoying for ninety five percent of the game, and then like <laughs> just at the end they pull it back, and it's like oh. And the irony God, is, Issen this... hates Wacker as well. Yeah. So <laughs> you're hating Issen perhaps, and Issen's hating Wacker, and you're hating both of them. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah. I, I like the fact that that feels like kind of a real relationship. You know, we've all got friends and people we care about that actually they do some stupid things from time to time. And you think <laughs> oh, you're a bit annoying. That, okay, every time you do that, whatever it may be, you know, maybe it's something superficial like their laugh, or maybe it's a, a habit they've got of being late, or whatever it might be, something silly. But it could get to you, and you've got these characters like Waka, who I thought was a bit of an enigma all the way through it. I, mm. I got the idea that for a lot of the game they kind of play like he's going to actually be, the twist's going to be he's going to be a bad guy mm. yeah. and and or the other option is that he is doing what he is doing because he knows he needs to give Isun and Amaterasu enough of a push to get them to where they need to be to fulfil you know, what he needs them to do, he needs them to send him and um, and this, this ship back up to the heavens Um so he's kind of there as an antagonist, but with good motivations, I suppose. Yeah, because one good. thing I'm—I mean, having even having just replayed it, one thing I'm still not clear on is: does Amaterasu remember any of the previous stuff? But she's just not letting on because I mean, she never talks anyway. But like you know, because there's like say mm. you, you find out that this whole like backstory with Amaterasu and Wacker and like they you know they fought together mm. on the celestial plane and they came to Earth and and everything. Yeah, and it's I, like, well, oh, like obviously we the player don't know any of this. Yeah, um, but I, I, I can't I kinda tell. I kind of took if, it as um, obviously Amaterasu submitted herself to this role where she had to come down to let's call it Earth um, mm. because it seems like it is um, had to come down to Earth and sort of wait so had to defeat Orochi and then wait and bide the time for the Chosen One to come along uh, yeah. that would allow Orochi and then this greater evil to finally be um, vanquished I kind of took that when that choice was made uh, Amaterasu was kind of stripped of powers and therefore potentially memories as well Yeah. Uh, after the defeat of Orochi and when she was reborn um, as the game starts that was a rebirth and, and as you find the powers you're then finding yourself again mm. but it could just be a conceit that also means you have to be a silent protagonist yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to keep the player one step behind but that I, I don't tend to like that when it happens in stories uh, it seems artificial if you're keeping the audience sort of one step behind the characters. Yeah. I think it's time we uh, laid some more love on the audio-visual side of things. Um, so is this uh, inkwash and woodcut style art. Uh, they have their own Japanese terms that I probably can't pronounce. Um, always like to give credit. So the lead artist on the game, obviously many people worked on this game, but uh, Naoki Katakai uh, previously worked on Devil May Cry and Resident Evil 4, so not a bad CV. 
Um, and the lead character artist is Suaki Takayasu, who's um, who's since gone on to uh, work on El Shaddai: Ascension of the Metatron, which I gather is right. yeah, one yeah. of your favourite games, Sean. It is, um, and another one that probably deserves its own its own future cane of rinse. We may have you back on for that one. Um, and uh, it's not just. I think it's it's important to stress that although the art style is very striking at first, it's not just it. Like for me, um, one of our three-word reviews from a video games artist, no less, suggests that this game is style over substance. But I think the art is—it absolutely works as a way of showing, you know, this game, this game style off to its best, and it's just incredibly atmospheric. Yeah. I think, like, what's clever about the art style is that. It ties in with the whole brush powers, doesn't it? Like if you ha- if the game yeah. was realistic looking and you were painting things and then they were becoming realistic objects, that mm. would be kind of jarring. That would be yeah. too much of a jump. But because everything's sort of painted, there's no yeah, there's no sort of barrier between the two. It's like well yeah, of course you're just painting on real life because that's because it's made of paint. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, which also feeds into the fact that you're a god interacting with this world because. It's mm. a world that has been painted, and you have a paintbrush, so it yeah, makes you the yeah, creator yeah. of what what you are seeing. Um, and yeah. yeah, as you say, if you had this paintbrush and the paint turned to something real, it would still do that, but it wouldn't feel like your impact was as direct on the world as as perhaps it does with mm. the way the art appears. I really liked um, the back of the menu screens. There's um, one screen where you've got your equipment. Um, it actually changes the art in the background, um, but I really like the picture of Amaterasu in sort of this. Um, it's it's her back you can see in this sort of jumping uh, position mm. um, and it changes the weapon depending upon what you've got equipped but That's right, the yeah. art style on that is just so great it's this um, sort of pencil drawn sketch um, yeah the character design the character art on this and um, you get more unlocks as you go through the game obviously with the bestiary and, and the travel log you're unlocking information all the time and it all comes with backdrops and and art to it that is just wonderful really fantastic the art is great at just instantly conveying an emotional tone as well whenever you enter an area you get an instant sense of whether this area is you know uh, peaceful or something slightly off like when you first enter the city there is this sense of something's not quite right here and I feel like the art contributes to that the palette um, as, as much as anything I think and there, obviously yeah. there's the music but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second but I think you're right yeah there's the, the you know just some really cool effects like the you know the um, there is that sort of green mist in the poison city and there is the sort of blackish red that's in the polluted areas of, of the outworld and stuff and yes, uh, our own Jay Taylor has uh, a magnif- magnificent art book uh, from Japan, which is a, a beautiful thing. Um, and I've looked into. That's right. I've got the same one. Have you? Oh, yeah, it's lovely. You, you son, of, you, you, you swine. <laughs> one of them. Yeah. Um, I've also got the uh, the massive um, soundtrack. Okay, well, that was my next thing. There, the, the soundtrack was released as a five CD set in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the Western versions, I don't know about the Japanese version, but uh, you unlock a a player uh, upon completion, which also uh, actually tells you via a key which composers com- uh, compose which tracks. So this is uh, uh, 
a collaboration. Well, I suppose it's not because it's different tracks by different people. But Masami Ueda uh, worked on Resident Evils 2 and 3 and Beautiful Joe and Devil May Cry. And Hiroshi Yamaguchi and Ray Kondo and Akari Groves, who worked on Breath of Fire 3 and Night Warriors, as well as Resident Evil, Dino Crisis and Onimusha 3. Uh, The soundtrack is opulent and generally incredible. Any regrets about... How much did you pay for your 5-CD set? Uh, I don't know. It was a gift. Oh, wonderful. Um, as was the book. That's nice gifting. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, I absolutely love the soundtrack. I think it, it's incredibly coherent, given that it's uh, it involves four different people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just stuff like the open world theme. I think it says a lot about your open world theme that sometimes you just want to stroll around the environment so you mm. can listen to that mu- piece of music mm. in context. Um, it just works so well with the art style and and just the variety of it as well. Like it's it so strikes all these it. different tones, especially mm. in combat when the drums come in. It has this real like ancient battle feel to it but then when you're just going across like a lake or you're traveling through the forest there's this very peaceful but almost adventurous tone to it it's it's a masterful a masterful piece of work yeah uh, it reminded me a lot uh music and also th- what you mentioned josh about the the open world um, and the way it all sort of feeds into one another of um, Near is another game where you've got this open world and each area's got different feel to it and the music just matches it perfectly so I, I would go to a particular area just to go in and hear uh, there's there's one particular section which is very much like Shinshu Fields actually this open grass area and as you ride into it uh, once you get to the point where you can start riding on some of the creatures in, in Nier it's got this wonderful soundtrack which is just this sort of uplifting sort of high tempo almost um, piece that really feels like you're riding across open fields and it's in this you know, fairly large but not massive uh, game area, and I got that exactly w- that you were saying in this as well. You just go to an area and you get this piece of music that fits with the way it looks and and what the story's doing at the time. It feels like it changes as as you go through it, um, as you go through the game and and the world changes around you. I was going to say I remember being quite gutted when I lifted the mist on the city. Because that's like it, it's a you know it's a very like dismal and kind of unpleasant piece of music, but it's it's it, yeah. it's just perfect for that atmosphere, you know. And then when you, when you lift it, it's like oh, I'm never going to hear that again. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say I've I've uploaded a, a selection of tracks to to the Dropbox for uh, for Sean, who's editing this mm. show, to use um, a couple of the overworld themes and uh, a couple of the uh, more somber pieces. And um, yeah, they're equally good as you know the the. The, the, one of the great things about this game is that there are, I suppose you could say, three main overworld themes because there's three sort of main Hyrule field type areas, and each of those pieces has two uh, versions, which is sort of one increasingly uh, layered and strident, depending on sort of what's going on. Um, and uh, but then there's also the the Agata Forest theme, which I think it's, yeah. e- it's either clarinet or oboe, it, it has, and it's so moody. Um, mm. And and the even just the the piece that's in the uh, the fortune teller's house, 
is just so creepy, um, but so in a, such a beautiful way. Um, and yes, five discs. I, I don't know how many tracks. I, I do have uh, a copy from Jay of this. Um, I would love to own the original set, um, but it is uh, dozens and dozens of tracks. But as I say, complete the game and you can listen to them all. Of course, they're out on YouTube anyway. But hmm. um, uh, I think one thing that's really remarkable is, especially given how much of the soundtrack there is, how much of it uses real instruments. Yeah. Like, like even, um, I mean, again, like, okay, let's compare it to Zelda. Mm. Like, you know, so the Zelda series has loads of great music, loads of really iconic themes and stuff, but it's it's mostly synthesised. It still. is, even even Twilight um, Princess, which has yeah. uh, the orchestral piece on the attract mode, once you get into mm. the game, it's mostly, it's brilliant, but it's mostly MIDI stuff, yeah. Yeah, but Akami, I mean, obviously there is, like, a lot of... Um, uh, MIDI or synthesized stuff, but yeah, there's yeah, there's a, there's a lot of real instruments, which which and makes... voices. There's the sort of Japanese. I don't know what they call that sort of style of Japanese uh, singing or vocalization. Not, not no, it, no, it yeah. just sound racist. <laughs> but um, there's lots of that as well. Obviously, mm. ties not, in not to um, not to bang on about Nier on on a show about Akami, but they do something similar with Nier, where they've got uh, this massive orchestra and and. Um, you know they, they've created they actually got an artist to create languages for the soundtrack for this mm. game that are what? never explained in the game anything like that um, <laughs> this hybrid language of, uh, of different languages around the world and it's just this the production values and the amount of effort that have gone into creating a soundtrack for this weird little game I love um, the ridiculous the- folly of, of certain developers <laughs> often Japanese of putting in insane <laughs> amounts of effort and yeah. money and time into games that are only going to sell you know a few hundred thousand copies but it does it, and it works Nakami exactly the same way it endears the people who enjoy the game so yeah. much more to the developers and it's entirely understandable why Clover have the the nostalgia and the reputation that they that they haven't had um, even though they only had three games and haven't been around for a number of years now now we obviously uh, we're going quite long and you know, there's a lot to talk about in this game um, we do need to actually talk about the moment to moment gameplay as we <laughs> like to say uh, the Wolf Dog is uh, very fun to control, I find, very swift. Um, as I say, as the game progresses, at first you feel almost quite limited and there's a lot of weird arcane symbols in your menu and nothing feels quite... It's, it even takes a while to actually understand that like the suns are your Zelda hearts and the mm. food pouches are your bottles with fairies in. Um, most things have an analogue, but once you... Once you sort of get in there, it all seems a little bit... I think maybe another thing, harking back to what we were talking about, about putting people off, everything feels slightly unusual and different because everything's, you know, what, what's a, what's an astral pouch or whatever, you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's such a strange name for it. Yeah. Like, an astral pouch is something you fill and never have to use. I was going to say... Well, I yeah. never so, upgraded it because no. I had 200 pieces of food in and then just kept eating food. Yeah. I'm, so I'm surprised my character didn't get fat on the screen, to be honest. Uh, well, I, the thing is, because yeah. what I noticed was... Um, if you eat food and your astral pouch is full, you get money instead. Yeah, you, I, which I, is I, much more useful. Yeah. So. <laughs> but again, you know, you can you can increase your wallet size uh, in a in a Zelda style. Although in this game, you just have to apply. Um, you every for every good act, you're given uh, praise, which you can put into your powers. Um, there are also ways of increasing your hearts by complete. Uh, they're not heart pieces in this, but they're you collect three pieces of a disc three segments of a a sun sun fragment yeah it's it's a yeah solid image of the sun I suppose um 
but yes the 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 actual the amount of items that you can hold are uh, are just absurd this is one of my actual sort of slightly negative things about the game is that by the end of the game i had 99 of th- of each of the three sizes of holy bone which are your food <laughs> not the largest of which entirely yeah. restores your health yeah. so it's- yeah. so i had i had the equivalent plus two full astral pouches of which i've now upgraded another one um i never got to <laughs> below about 5 suns of health at any point because you collect you also collect I think it's 16 different weapons and various modifiers, plus you can apply gold dust to them and power them up, plus you've got an array of something like, is it 13 or or 18 celestial brush powers? Um, it's my, my death total for a 42-hour game was zero, and I never even came close, and I had, I suppose, once you add up all those bones and, and pouches, I had the equivalent of something like a thousand extra lives, you know, and I never <laughs> needed any of them. It's bizarre why, I, I know it makes you feel like this all-powerful being, and, that's, and, that, and maybe that's what they want. And in a way, it didn't bother me. I enjoyed the game as much as I could possibly enjoy a video game, pretty much, so does it matter? But it seems a weird choice. Yeah, because I, I tweeted about this um, when I first started playing the HD one. Um, it's been about a month ago, and I think it might have been you, James, that replied to me, mm. um, or possibly someone else. But uh, I was saying, like, uh, there's one of the first fights where you actually feel kind of challenged, mm. almost. And then at the end of it, it gives you about six, you know, health items. <laughs> like, as soon as you finish the <laughs> yeah. fight, it's like, okay, we know that was kind of difficult. Don't, don't worry. It's going to be all right. Yeah. Like, like, it's like straight away, they, they realize that the difficult's gone up a little bit and they just yeah. instantly, like, pull it back. And it's, it's really strange. Yeah. And um, if ever you are down a little bit of health, I, I would never actually bother eating one of the holy bones. Just break open a few pots on your way past them, and inevitably yeah. one of them will have either a whole yeah, or a partial it, sun. Um, it's it's intelligent. In, in there, in yeah. that it, it will give you it the gives items you, what you, you need. need. Yeah. 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 The the only thing I, I struggled with was I was running out of ink quite a lot towards yeah. the end. Um, you can power that up, it. and as you say, there are yeah. items that you can buy. You can, you know, there, there comes a point where you've got so much money that you can buy pretty much everything, and every every new power up and weapon that becomes available in every shop becomes yours. Uh, it's very, very player friendly, um, and it's it's like it's it's like they just really wanted you to see everything that they'd made, which is right because it deserves seeing, I suppose. What I would say, though, is where um, Okami maybe falls down on challenge, it's a relatively easy game. It makes up for it by just being a very varied experience. Mm. Yeah, because totally. although the combat uh, combat scenarios, you know, they're easy enough, the ways that you can take out enemies, and we were mentioning, the, uh, mentioning this before, mm. is so varied and you can have all these different tactics and mm. because you have all these celestial bush, uh, brush techniques, you can take them out in all these different ways and it's you're basically you're free to do whatever you want as long as you can you think about it logically okay this guy's made of ice and there's an enemy right next to him who's made of fire i can use the fire on this enemy to take out the guy who's made of ice and all that kind of stuff Mm. i thought all that stuff was implemented really cleverly Mm. and the way the like the whole sub weapon system is genius like Mm. any of the weapons you have can be equipped as a main or sub weapon and like and yeah, and each weapon behaves differently as a sub weapon. Mm. 
Um, like not only like you know, uh, so you got the three weapon types, and you're like, oh, okay, so this one acts as a shield, this one acts as like you know, this one shoots ink bullets, this one gives me like some extra attacks. But then as you get the improved versions of each of those, they have like slightly different behaviors. Like the different glaives um, have like different secondary attacks and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah there's, it's, there's it's, like, a really lot. Interesting. There's a lot there. You know, you mm. you'd probably yeah. expect it from a man who. Work, you know, worked on Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's that sort of level. And, and Amaterasu is. Uh, I, I think the combos are much easier to. You know, they, the combos tend to be same button, same button, same button, same yeah. button. It's, it feels a bit mashy. It's strange. It with the stuff that you were mentioning, Sean, about the glaives. You get glaives towards the end that have different elements. So actually, in a fight, I think I'm right in saying, although I never did it myself, you could switch the the glaive out for a different element, and you could you would never have to rely on the elements uh, of fire or water, or, or uh, at least fire and ice in the environment. I think it's the final one of each of the weapon types. There's the final. Yeah. Um, Final reflector is fire. The final yeah, you can yeah. actually pull that element off your own back where yeah, you've got yeah, a weapon that's right. instead of yeah. having to rely on the environment. Those it are the feels... ones that are taken off you in your new game plus. Those are the only ones, right? Oh, yeah, that they? makes sense. Yeah, um, it it feels like a game that was designed to be much harder because you've got all these holy bones you can buy. You've got so much money available. It feels like a game that they made and then decided to kick the difficulty down to me. Mm. Yeah. In order to make it much more accessible because it it felt to me like there was never really any need. I did upgrade my health because I had so much praise and nothing else to do with it. Um, but I didn't feel like I would have to. And I upgraded my ink and okay, that was probably the one I needed to. But it 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 never felt like I needed all of the different collectible or you know, sort of consumable items that they were giving to me there were some consumable items i never used a lot of the, you get a lot of slips that allow you to increase your defense or increase your attack or yeah. uh, a couple of the exorcism slips i used just to to finish off a boss when i was yeah, halfway yeah. through killing him because they were very powerful but um yeah it feels like there's all these extra items that like a, a Devil May Cry or a Bayonetta, you might have to use them wisely. Whereas here, you almost feel like you don't need uh, them. You are pretty Strange. much all-powerful. There's even your Godhood, yeah. which effectively gives you a shield going into a fight. Yeah. And you yeah. can buy yeah. items which give you that. And you can go for hours in this game, especially you know once you're powered up, without taking any damage at all. I mean... I think, uh, the, you know when it explains the, the Godhood concept? I think it's in one of those uh, little uh, log book mm. things. Um and it's like, ah, oh, you know, if you like, you run away from a fight, or if you um, fall into like a curse zone or whatever, it'll that'll, you know, the little godhood symbol will change to a skull, and you'll need to be careful because you'll be yeah. more vulnerable. I've never seen that skull once. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> like running away sure from exists. a fight is just a concept that I didn't even bother remembering how you do that. It yeah, because it, it's always is. seemed like more faff to try and run away because you, know, you have to like slash at the um, those little tears yeah, in the, the walls the, the, the yeah, the, um, mm. it seems like more effort than just finishing the fight yeah. so. it's hardly it's hardly one of those you know Final Fantasy moments where you go shit I am in no way leveled up enough for this I'm yeah. going to try to run away and then of course you can't run away because you're not leveled up enough to run away but yeah, yeah which again smacks of like maybe this was a much harder game at one point and then they toned it down I mean, I you know, know, the the game that it perhaps is is closest to in some ways is is Twilight Princess, and that's a very easy game as well. Perhaps not quite as insanely easy, but uh, mm-hmm. it's it's very much in that in that area. I I don't understand why it is, but for me, it didn't spoil mm. it in any way. It just mm. seems a weird design choice. I did find one uh, bonus secret boss underground, um, 
you know the the spider that you fight where you uh, oh yeah 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 sorry, queen, the, yeah there's actually three of those in the game not just two um mm-hmm. there's a boss ru- there's a boss rush at the end and there's the one you fight early on but there's actually a secret one hidden underground somewhere yeah, um yes. that either under a bombable hole or or a diggable hole mm. you you gain the power to dig into harder earth later in the game yeah. um or you can buy it anyway uh and yes there's an extra spider boss and uh oh. that she actually took a bit more killing but that yeah. was about it and i wonder if maybe there are more i think it was probably for a stray bead or something maybe there are more out there i noticed at some point in the game for the plot you have to get the thing that protects you from fire so you can swim through the the lava yeah. but it looks very much like there are other uh, element modifiers that you that can get. That was the strange one. That was the only holy artifact I found. It's, only, it's the only one I found. Is. And, and yet there's three equipable slots, so that suggests to me that there are more than three. There's got to be one for water and ice. Uh, you know, or, there's, or, there's, there's one for water. What it does is uh, it's, you buy it from the guy, you know the ghost in the Ark who can sell you stuff. Mm. Um, if I think it's if you have like 100 demon fangs he, sell, he sells you the water one and it allows you to ah, walk yes, on water you're right he, he demands ridiculous numbers of demon fangs and I thought I hadn't been getting a lot of demon fangs because no. I found it quite difficult to, sometimes you slashed an enemy when they had been killed and it didn't cough up any but it didn't seem to do no. anything either so again the game is a little bit it's a little bit naughty here it, it explains that's how you get demon fangs but that's probably the worst way to get demon fangs the best way to yeah. get demon fangs is to piss while you're fighting them with the circle buttons yes. yeah, yeah. and uh, kill them as quickly as possible and that that will yeah. I've, I've now up to about 30 or 40 demon fangs on my new game plus yeah. just by doing that did you guys not um, slash enemies once they died to get demon fangs? I did, did you guys but sometimes it didn't seem to connect, and sometimes I was finishing enemies by slashing them, and they were already in two pieces, and therefore they seemed to be unslashable. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah no you, you deliver the, the killing blow, and then they sort of fly up in slow motion, then you get one more hit. If you like, accidentally glance them with a normal weapon hit, then that's it. You can't right. interfere with them again. And then, but yeah, but I think doesn't the game explain that? Um, it's only like the first few enemies where slashing definitely works. It says for like later ones, mm. um, it's, it'll, there'll be like a certain brush technique. That's that right, different brush them. techniques right. for different enemies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. but yeah, I love you know the 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 bestiary is really there's a lot of really memorable, amazing looking monsters. Obviously, they're all again yeah. based on sort of Japanese folklore and legends. There's imps and and you know anyone who's been playing video games for a long time will know of the Oni and the Tengu and all these things um, but there's really cool ones like the one that you knock it out the sky and then it and then it's got a lantern on its tail and you have to use the fire from the lantern to burn the yeah. the house on its back off so you can oh, attack yeah, it the there's one. a yeah, little yeah, yeah. Inuit looking yeah. being in there that you then have to attack and first time I did that it took me two or three times of melting the igloo before I could actually finish it off and then obviously later on in the game it's a couple of hits yeah. and that's finished um, you do feel very powerful going back to some of the earlier areas Areas oh, and yeah. wandering accidentally into one of the the coloured slips that that represent the enemy battles mm. in in the world, um, and it's it's literally one hit kills on all these enemies that were trying to work out how to <laughs> defeat is, yeah. first time you met them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And there's, uh, I mean, you know, there's quite a few of the celestial brush techniques we haven't mentioned, which are used both in combat and in puzzle solving in dungeons. Um, I think that there wasn't one dungeon area in this game like even the, even the best zeldas normally have a shit dungeon like uh jabu's belly and ocarina of time i've mentioned it before uh some people hate the water temple but i don't remember there being a dungeon that i didn't enjoy in akami no 
Yeah, they're all pretty wonderful, aren't they? And they're all um, quite different. Yeah. Yeah, very yeah, different. None of, none of them are like literal dungeons, are they? They're all sort of really strange environments. Like ones, yeah. you know, going up to the top of a giant windmill, ones going inside the water dragon. Like they're usually pretty. I mean, I think the probably the most traditional one is probably Oni Island. Um, yeah. To me, that was just because it's just very dingy and horrible and like kind of unpleasant. It's, it's a lot of corridors, isn't it? Yeah. Effectively, so. But then that's um, that's where you meet. Ah, um, oh, crap! What's his name? Uh, the little slip of paper. Toby, is it? Yes, Toby. Yeah, the little Toby. slip of paper. Who, like, and, and yeah, even then, Josh, you were mentioning earlier that the variety of of what they have you do in the world. Mm. At, at that point, you're going through that castle, and it feels more like a platforming game where you've got races effectively, rather than enemies to beat. For the most part, you're racing around this hostile environment. It felt like me almost like a um, uh, Super Mario Land two. Where you're going through Wario's castle at the end of the game, and you've got all these obstacles in your way. It's not really enemies so much as just traversing the environment. And yeah, not in terms of gameplay, but just in terms of the aesthetics and and the sort of style of it. It felt like that for some reason. Yeah, and that that whole little arc with Toby's really nice. Like it's really <laughs> yeah. short, but it's yeah. like this little slip of paper is meant to be like a security guard. But then he gets addicted to racing against you. And then he dies because of it. Like <laughs> it's almost portal esque. Yeah, way, isn't it's it? this crazy, <laughs> crazy AI, or in this case, obviously a mystical slip of paper that's that's got this wonderful character. And again, as you're saying, Leo, a bittersweet at the end because he's going to die, but he's actually happy about yeah. it, <laughs> or at least he's fulfilled his purpose. You know, and he's found a worthy. Yeah. And a character you are happy about the death of James is the uh, the the. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, go on. <laughs> okay, I can explain exactly why I struggle with this, and it's going to make me seem like an absolute idiot, and I am. But nonetheless, <laughs> I still think it's a problem because the first blockhead you meet, it tells you, okay, this this guy you can't get through in this direction because you're at the back of him, I think, and you have to go round the other side and attack him from there. The first time you meet him, um, and it opens up just a shortcut, and you have to charge at him and, and one, the way you break pots in the game is just to charge at him head first and sort of head headbutt them and you do the same with him and what happens is you get this image where it shows you where his weak spots are and you can then freeze and go into your celestial brush and, and you just dab paint on where the the um, the spot, the weak points are and he breaks I apart. I thought it was really clever. Ma- yeah, yeah it, absolutely, fantastic. The problem I had, and I, I really like the fact that he, he basically says, oh, how did you find my weakness, <laughs> you know, when you kill him? Like, yeah. he's really surprised <laughs> that this glowing spot on him is giving him away. Um, but the problem I had was, the first one, first time, no mm. problem. You only had to hit two weak spots, fine. The next one was three weak spots. And I kept trying it, and I wasn't getting it. And I assumed it was because I wasn't being specific enough with my brush strokes. No, it's pretty now, generous about that. you're all going to laugh at me. Yeah, you're all going to laugh at me because the reason I wasn't order. getting it was because it didn't tell you at any point, as far as I can tell, that you have to hit them in that order. Now, it's obvious... I think you're right. ...because they come up in a certain yeah. order. However, yeah. when I finally got the three... I didn't realise that I'd followed the order. 
Right. I so see. I still so didn't realise I needed to, to do it in the yeah. order. So when I got to the five one, I literally had my girlfriend knelt down in front of the TV with her hands, marking all the spots <laughs> on the screen, getting li- that's, that's literally not a bad idea, ten times I, to the, more than ten times to the point where I she thought got and told and said, you I'm not doing if this you anymore. kept failing that you had to do them in the right order no. because I I, I made that mistake no, on about the second or third no. one. Isson keeps saying every single time after you're trying to dodge the fact that he's got a pretty powerful attack he throws at you mm. if you if you miss. Mm-hmm. Um, Isson says, basically, don't be silly, just hit the weak spots. Yeah, right. no, you're right, because yeah. I had trouble no, with the... I, like I say, the, the first two are fine, but then you get to the one and only island and you literally, there's yeah. no way around him. Um, yeah. Like, you have and, to go through and this one. I, I, yeah. I feel less bad because I went on the internet and had people saying, well, if you glitch jump, you can get around him. <laughs> and literally people were finding it because they could not get around him. And, and, like, forum threads of people who literally this was a blocking point, they could not get past this point in the yeah. game. There's um, a, you'll yeah. be happy to hear there's another one, a secret one. Yes. And he yeah, has, like, Leon, you is, it yes. like, is it seven or nine points he has? Yeah, yeah I totally one. videoed yeah. it on my iPhone and played it back. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't memorize it. It's very quick and very long sequence. I'm normally quite good at stuff like that, but uh, I tried it like three or four times, and I thought, I'm going to video it's like this. If they were like numbered or something, mm. or coloured or anything, but it's just that that it's dot dot dot, dot and it's dot, different dot, every dot, time. Dot, of course. dot fade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they fade. Uh, they don't all fade at the same time, do they? they? They fade in the order they appeared in, which actually makes it more difficult. Yeah. Uh, and, just... and they don't appear sort of. Um, evenly spaced you'll right, get one yeah. pop up and then you'll get two pop up very quickly and then yeah, the third yeah, will yeah. come up slowly and then fourth and fifth very quickly for instance they're not all sort of you you don't get a rhythm to it it's it's kind of sporadic um yeah just i i know i'm an idiot and clearly they come up in that order because you need to hit them in that order but it just it it stumped me and it got me really frustrated at that point um just for no good reason, but it did. And if I if I'm not the only one having the problem, then I don't feel so bad about it. Well, it was my only uh, serious negative gameplay point of the entire uh, experience was one of the later 2D sort of Mr. Driller esque block puzzle games. Oh, yeah. See, I like these. I like these as well. Yeah, I always felt like, no, I, I know, okay, I don't go that way, I need to go this way. Yes, I, I failed a few times, but I always felt like I was learning more about how to solve it. Which is the opposite mm. of the blockheads, where I just wasn't learning right. at all. Yeah, so. uh, I, you know, I, I got through them. Uh, I th- apparently, there's at least there's. I think there's one optional one that I decided against. Um, the the problem mm. I had was uh, it would not. It's the camera was not always playing ball in terms of you. You end up separated yeah. from your the person you're guiding if you fall down yeah. a couple of blocks. Yeah. And then if um, you're trying to tell. Uh, trying to celestial brush a water spout and it doesn't work and the character you're trying to control mm-hmm. keeps walking into spikes instead of going up on a lovely little platform that's quite annoying <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but if if you get well if you've for instance blown a couple of blocks and fallen down and they're out of sight I, I used the wind technique and generally found that with a couple of blows of wind I could blow them down to where I was so it wasn't, yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. It still is quite frustrating if you're then having it's to just, climb up and losing. It, it, where it they was, are. it was like playing something like Catherine and not playing something <laughs> like Akami, which was not what I was in here. I was, <laughs> I was in for a magical 3D Wolf God adventure, and I was playing a sort of slightly annoying DS puzzle game. You know, <laughs> um, while while we're all complaining, uh, <laughs> it's only fair because I suspect uh, uh, the, the summary will be positive. Yeah. Um, the when you when you meet the um, oh, 
what's it called? It's in the the dungeon with the the two owls at the end, um, and you meet yeah. those spiders with the fire platforms mm. on them. And this one's like, oh, they've got fire platforms, so you, you better be careful. Well, I've got the fire tablet, and I yeah. swam through a lake of lava, so that's not a problem. Uh, oh god, I'm being burned. No. Why? Oh. Why? Game, gameplay conceit <laughs> yeah. says no because you've got to go and get your ice yeah. power for. Yeah, no. I, I I tried exactly the same thing. I thought, well, mm-hmm. yeah, swimming through lava is no problem. This won't be a problem. And just because, I mean, they could have made that anything. Although I yeah. suppose it had to be counteracted by ice because that was the next one you got. But it's a special yeah. kind of burning. Uh, yeah, no, that is true. Uh, yeah, that that that. that and then there's, I think it's like shortly after there's a corridor where there's like uh, fire being blown at you, and again you're like, well, I've got the fire tablet, not problem, and no, you have mm. to blow them out with the wind first before I let yeah. you pass. It's a very limited fire. Uh, and you, yeah, only certain <laughs> kinds of fire. <laughs> but only the only the lakes of fire that it wants you to pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but overall, the un- lots of uh, the un- lots and lots of cool uses of techniques in the dungeons. I thought from slowing yeah, down time to uh, yeah, blowing platforms around and 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 various yeah. things like that. And uh, even and just again, just great artistic detail. The the uh, the cursed locks as you run towards them with the with the holy key, and they're going <laughs> no no no, and you shove it into their mouth. That is awesome. <laughs> That reminded me of. I'm sure the there's uh, demon locks in Shadows of the Damned yes. that behave almost identically. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I played the games out of order, as it yeah, were, chronologically yeah, yeah. in terms of release, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, I, I, it would not surprise me in the slightest. I, I think of Grasshopper as sort of a, mm. a Clover esque studio. It wouldn't well, surprise Kamea, me at all if that was almost a homage. Kamea, to, Kamea was on that to, game, wasn't he? Yeah, I think, yeah, was he? you yeah. may be right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. But, Bob are doing other yeah. games with Akami references because uh, Bayonetta has a few doesn't it um, or specifically it has the the wolf form or is it a, like panther a panther with, with, a a panther, with flowers yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. but it, yeah it has the flowers coming yeah. out yeah. that was nice. and uh, a more subtle reference is the way they introduce enemies in uh, Bayonetta mm. it's the exact oh, yeah. same close up yeah. on a piece of artwork and then shut the book uh, yeah. the same way Okami does yeah. Yeah. It's weird yeah. when when you read uh, you mentioned it earlier Camille's Twitter feed um he comes across mm-hmm. as the most irascible uh, <laughs> annoying belligerent um antisocial yeah, game. You look at the stuff but, people send him. Yeah. Can you blame him? He, like, he yeah. gets yeah. both sycophancy and idiocy <laughs> in equal amounts but um yeah. I think you know I look at his work and I, he you know he might be my favorite games designer. Yeah. He's certainly yeah. up there. Um the, the only other thing I would complain about is the map. Um, mm. The first third of the game, it. for some reason, it has you going back and forth a lot to um, Kamiki Village. Um, mm-hmm. And going through Agatha Forest and the next area, I got confused where certain pools of water yeah. were that I needed to go to or mm. certain people that I needed to go and find. And the map doesn't really help because it doesn't point you all that no, well to, there's to where you need to go and I understand they want you to explore mm. but I never felt like I, I felt like I was kind of grasping at straws sometimes and it was easy to go past a little side path that was the one you needed to go down 
and and miss it. So there's, there's, it's, uh, as a game, it doesn't have a lot of hand holding. It's weird because a couple of times yeah. it gives you a big fiery red arrow telling you exactly where to go. <laughs> was that in the original yeah. version, or have they added that post Akami Den? No, yeah, that was. Yeah, it was, and and that's weird, and it feels really annoyingly hand holdy. But a lot of the time, the game <laughs> is pretty much saying. It doesn't. It doesn't specifically tell you what to do, even across the logbook. And listen, it's like maybe we should mm. do something, you know, such and such yeah. somewhere. <laughs> and because some of the, you know, like often it's kind of clear, like at least like it's clear what sort of situation you need to be resolving. But there's yeah. like, um, you know, when you're trying to find uh, the Sparrow King's daughter. Mm. Um, yeah. And it turns out it's all like centered around that, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Cotter's house. Oh, that was cool, that bit. Yeah, which you've already been cool. to before. And I bro- I broke the the roof because I it, yeah. I got that prompt, and then it said, "Oh, you just need to drag them into the into the moonlight." <laughs> and for the life of me, I could not get a bite um, oh. prompt over the person who was sleeping uh, because wrong the person. person who's standing up next to them isn't there at that no. point because you haven't got to find. Uh. Exactly, because you haven't Spiral triggered King's it. Daughter, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I'd already yeah. Gone so you kind there, of ignore so, that and yeah, think it's not yeah. related, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm. like it's where you're meant to go next, but it never <laughs> tells you that. Yeah. So I, I think that was the only time I actually got kind of stuck on it. Yeah, yeah I couldn't work out. Um, weirdly, I think all you have to do is dig through it, but I couldn't. Re- I, I kept trying to bomb the hole in the roof, and it wouldn't do it. So I'm I was pretty like, sure I bombed it. I think. Uh, you, oh no! Yeah, you, I, yeah, you, I'm, you I'm, bomb I'm, it. yeah, yeah. The other way round. Yes. Uh, other way round. <laughs> yeah. No, that was my instinct. Was I, I was trying to dig through it because that's kind of the way you've been used to yeah. getting at things down. under your feet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially given that by that point you've had at least one digging mini game to to yeah. go through. Um, yeah, yeah. It was an odd one. It definitely was I've not obvious. The yeah. other one was once you've come out of the emperor, literally, mm-hmm. um, you you have to go well. It, it it didn't make it terribly clear that I don't think until you'd run around a little bit that you had to go and find the um the girl who'd run off back to her her bamboo grandpa. Mm. It, for some reason, yeah. I think there was something there where you needed to go and run away and do something else before it actually told you where you needed to go to find her. Um, yeah, for, she for kind reason. of says like, "I'm gonna go to the bamboo grove. See you later," and then it kind of doesn't tell you what to do does it I think it's kind of just leaves it to you but actually yeah, you're meant to it. follow this yeah. up you're meant to go and find her at the bamboo grove yeah because yeah. yeah. like I mean what, the way it sets that up and even the way that, that little bit ends you kind of like how the hell is that related to anything and, and, and it kind like, of doesn't feel like it is except you get the tablet that allows you to swim yeah. across the the um, the lake of fire which is just almost yeah it feels like just a complete aside but. Yeah, 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 and the game doesn't auto save uh, because you know <laughs> <laughs> Not everything did, and in fact, I must say that uh, the PS3 version hard locked on me twice. Uh, yeah, I had it freeze I, on I me once. One, which yeah. was, okay, yeah. so yeah. could Not do great. with another patch, maybe. Um, mm. But I, I don't think it'll get one at this point. Probably it's, not. In a yeah. in a forty plus hour game, a couple of hard locks. I mean, Bethesda would would take your arm <laughs> off to get that. In their <laughs> game. So let's face it; it's not worth the. Extra money. Remember to, to save often. That is, uh, yeah, good yeah. advice. And um, multiple save files and a massive game like this. Yeah, is always a good there is game. a point mm. late in the game where you cannot go back. Um, and I did yeah. save over it, but it doesn't matter because it because it's new game, new game plus. plus. It gives you yeah, a new yeah, game yeah. plus. Speaking of which, when you complete the mm-hmm. game, you unlock uh, presents from Issen. 
which includes <laughs> 300 pieces of concept art. Normally, pe- you know, concept art being unlocked in a game is a bit of a joke, but in this case, it's like, brilliant! I can look at the concept art. <laughs> yeah, there's tons of it. Isn't there's it? Well, over, 300, 300. over 300 pieces, mm. and um, yeah. an all-new, I gather, high-res bestiary, um, which is all the, yeah. the pictures that you're shown when you first meet a monster, of which there are many. Um, in high res, that's lovely. Looks great on a ten eight, you know, ten eighty p screen. There's the full soundtrack, as previously mentioned, uh, and the two uh, internal Capcom videos from when they were pitching the game. One pre the stylization with the ink washing and the woodcuts. So uh, you know, there's stuff that's available out there, but it's a nice touch, I think, to include it. Better yet, though, than than this, as I, we've mentioned it a few times. The new game plus is fantastic. You retain all your upgrades other than game uh, moves that would uh, you know, break the sequence of events. Uh, you keep all your money, all your demon fangs, all your food, all your stray beads, um, all your non-crucial items, and 12 of the 15 weapons. Plus the bonus of four so-called karmic transformers, which are in fact skins for Ami to wear, which make her look like different sort of white wolf god dogs uh, so <laughs> no, you only you only unlock these if you meet certain criteria don't you oh okay um, there's probably more I'm, stuff because I'm, I didn't get you know highest rating on everything yeah because I because I'm kind of well partly because I'm rubbish partly because I rushed this playthrough a little bit just to <laughs> just to have finished it yeah. by tonight um, yeah it's like I got two of them for ah crap no I can't even remember I think it's like yeah amount of money collected and it's like I got the full blossomed tree. Yeah. Um, it was like the number of enemies I fought mm. was just nothing. Um, I didn't yeah. get anything. Yeah, that. that's and a weird one else. to have to meet because obviously the faster you play it, the so it is designed around multiple yeah. playthroughs, isn't it? So one playthrough you'll yeah. get the time, another time you'll get the yeah. But then you need to do them all in one go. So hmm. well, yeah. well, and also given the um, a lot of the enemies when you're playing through it are completely skippable because yeah. you can see these giant mm. waving. Yeah coloured scrolls and you can just run round them for the most part although they did chase you a bit but there's uh, is it two or three monster itineraries you have to complete specific you have to meet and kill specific named monsters Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. at least two because there's one that you get for in the very first area and then you Mm -hmm. get another one later on so at least two there may be three one per one per overworld area right right, i only found two but oh maybe i'm wrong but uh, yes, and the other. Uh, so I got four, but there may be more. Um, there's a sort of overweight one. There's a plain one with no red markings or, or cloud stuff. So you just look like a, a white wolf, basically. Um, that's all quite fun. And uh, yes, n- most virtually all non-interactive scenes are now skippable on playthrough. They do. They they start up, but you can press the start button and jump out of them straight away. So uh, it's a really cool new game plus, and I'm actually you know sort of. I will keep it ongoing. Now I've played through the game once, it's just something you can jump into and do a bit of and have some fun with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, how, how did you all feel about the, the boss rush at the end? Because I, like, I was honestly okay with it, apart from having to defeat Orochi for a third time. Like, <laughs> like I understand the like people were just annoyed by the very idea of having to just fight all the bosses again for like no particular reason. I mean, it's no. kind of justified in the story, but it, I, I think it's great uh, uh, because by that point you know how to defeat all the bosses. Exactly, like you're so Arachi powerful, f- the whole thing like yeah, takes about Arachi twenty minutes. The second like- time, <laughs> first time round, I fought Orochi, I went round all the heads once. 
Mm-hmm. And then started going around all the heads the second mm. time, and you realised that actually that's not the way to do it. You stick at one head until it's trunk. You go to the next head until it's yeah. trunk. You know, mm-hmm. you've gone down twice because you only have to do that on three heads, and then you get to go and ring the bell. Yeah, um, and then you go around the heads in in order. And actually, second time I fought him, I didn't have to do all the heads. No. Uh, but the third time I did, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. It does slightly. I think change. that's the way it is um, because I, I think I think yeah. the the final fight with him is it, he's like at his most powerful. So you have to do the yeah, most. Exactly. That's, most powerful, yeah, that's exactly. true. Or actually, but or it, it didn't. If, if first time round felt like an epic fight, the next two felt like at this point I'm just taking the piss out of you, yeah. frankly, because <laughs> he did not hit me. Because it's like, it, the only irksome thing I found is almost always it's use wind to get. You know, brush hit, to push his um, his attack out of the mm. way because mm-hmm. at, at the first point you meet him, you've kind of only just got winds, so therefore they want you to use it. Mm. By the end of the game, using wind on everything he throws at you, aside from the lightning, is kind of it. It, it feels like you should be doing something a bit different. Yeah. Um, I, I did like the fact that the the head with the lightning is the one that pops up when he pops up with the question mark over mm. the head and yeah. looking a bit dumbfounded um, and actually for that one I don't think there's a way to block the lightning what you have to do is dodge it and then run in and actually attack the head which you can't which you don't really do for any of the others um, so I did like the fact that there was a little bit of variety in there but but no I, I was fine with the boss rush yeah yeah, yeah because it was, like it was great. like you say it's because you're so powerful by that point it takes no time at all pretty and much and because they're all really interesting um, and different you know, mm, and they and yeah. they look fantastic um and, and especially Nine Tails, it felt like, yeah. yeah, I want to kick your arse one more time just to prove a point. Because <laughs> obviously yeah. the story behind that character is really actually pretty insidious uh, and really yeah. nasty. Um, and and the the boss taunts you first time you meet it. So second time round, it's it's great to have the opportunity to really wipe the floor with that boss. Yeah, because some like, you know, the, the Crimson Helm, I think it's called. Mm. It's like, all right, so you hold yourself up in dungeon and you didn't let anyone in. You are, wow, you're evil. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like you say, like and you know, and like Orochi's kind of bad. Eats one woman a year. It's yeah, not not yeah. great. Um, <laughs> but then, but yeah, but there's something about Nine Tails that like you say it's it's really I mean, insidious it, it's and straight like out, straight out murder of someone plus impersonation of them and yeah, manipulation, manipulation of you and an entire the, city and yeah, it's, yeah, it's really uh, it's really quite nasty that one. Plus, it's plus one of the, the fact few that, that it taunts like, you more, I think. So. Seems to like take genuine delight in yeah, the thought yeah, of killing very you. Very malicious. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. I think we should take a break for some yeah. OST and for some comfort, and then come back with listener correspondence and our own summaries.
And welcome back. Uh, Epic game, epic issue of the podcast. I hope that's all right with everybody. Um, But there is a lot to talk about with Akami. I thought there might be, and so it is. Uh, And we're certainly not going to ask editor Sean to spend his entire weekend editing it down to 90 minutes. So uh, it's a long one. What are you going to do? Anyway, we've also had a fair amount of listener correspondence on the forum, caterince.com slash forum, uh, for this one. So, uh, James, if you could start us off. Uh, yeah, Craman Edge says, Okami was lovely. I enjoyed it so much at the time, and I'd probably count it as one of my favourite PS2 games. Uh, but it was perhaps a little too long. I don't think I could play it all over again. Papa Blingo says, I'd say it's the best Zelda game, period. I loved it the first time through, and I can't wait for the chance to play it again. Um Potato says uh, mechanically this game plays like a dream as others have mentioned it certainly owes debts to the Zelda series but it's still very much its own game uh, Ami plays much faster and freer than Link and using the paintbrush techniques in combat keeps things fresh and ripe for experimentation you feel a real sense of progression as you go through the land restoring it to its former beauty uh, mechanic that has been borrowed by many games since and the upgrades you acquire make a real difference to how you play it's a moot point at this stage to mention how great the graphics are, uh, though props should also go to the character designers for concocting a world filled with creatures that somehow managed to be freaky and cute at the same time. On the negative side, not being able to skip through or speed up the dialogue sections is a real pain, especially at the start of the game where instead of getting to play, you have to sit through a ten minute opening sequence narrated by your sidekick and you the rest. Have one of the must have one of the most annoying voices in gaming history also while the combat is engaging and fun it's never particularly challenging which is a shame since learning to use Ami well in combat is every bit as satisfying as any of Capcom's third person action characters overall though easily in my top 5 games of the last generation Scrussel says I love Akami it's one of my favourite games of all time I'm also a huge fan of the Zelda games and I would rate Akami above plenty of that series instalments I've had it since it was first released on PS2 and I'm finishing off a playthrough of it right now I've been trying to clear up all the side missions and get all the collectibles so I can get the cool bonuses you get in New Game Plus I've only got one left to do and I've found it really frustrating actually it's the mission where you have to race that dog girl through the Webkeer forest I hate that place Akami HD looks really enticing, but I don't have a PS3 and I'm not going to buy one for a game I've already got. It's a shame, since I would buy it in a heartbeat if I already had the console, but I just can't justify it to myself. It looks amazing in HD, although I don't think it looks miles ahead of the SD version. It still looks fantastic on the old PS2. Akami is one of the games that has defined gaming for me. I'm deeply in love with it. It's one of the very few games I've actually gone back and played through several times over and still want to go back to again. Everything about it is enthralling and sucks you into the world and the experience. The gorgeous visuals and music, the fun, memorable characters and the brilliant, solid gameplay all come together to make one of those pure, unbridled gaming experiences that reminds me why I love games. It's truly awe-inspiring and something very special and a game that everyone should try at least once. Follow My Ruin says, This game, I know I should love it. The game visuals are quite honestly pieces of art. The world, the characters, the mise-en-scene feel palpable and right. The gameplay is solid, but I've ruined the game for myself. I played it for two hours or so once every fortnight because of work, and as such, it was just impossible to play. Each time I went to play, I was clueless about what techniques I'd acquired, who was who, and perhaps most importantly, where to go. I was about six hours in, and it was just overwhelming whenever I returned, so I ended up calling it and putting it away. Did anyone else experience this? Uh, my Wii, wor- Wii version of the game was stolen from me during a burglary along with uh, Punch-Out and A Boy in His Blob 
the fuckers left Twilight Princess, burglars with taste apparently. And <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like Twilight Princess. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of Twilight Princess's defenders, but Me too. Oh well. <laughs> he says, finally, I'm finding it difficult to want to pick up the PS3 version, though I know I should. Yes, you should. Uh, Mike Led- uh, Leddy says, I failed in my mission to complete the game in time for the podcast. This is partic- uh, partially due to how easy it can be to just stop on the spot pan the camera to a beautiful vista and scour the internet for the XMB screenshot feature criminally underutilised since its introduction and painfully absent here True. prior to the uh, prior to the uh, ar- the arrival of my first major foray into audio equipment I'm hesitant to continue about the best preparation for what is undoubtedly my favourite game of the year the Metal Gear Solid HD collection has barely had a full term as the undisputed champion of re-releases, but Okami HD exceeds expe- expectations immensely. Looking at the resume of Hexadrive, it's not hard to see how such a quality conversion should have been expected. It's easy to forget how powerful Capcom can be when geared towards system-exclusive games. The core game from my past experience doesn't ring any bells of being difficult, which may be a little disappointing given the length of the game, but as stated by others, it does feel consistently solid. For a game quite blatantly Japanese, I'm glad to say the comedy moments actually felt genuinely funny more than just quirky. In terms of the Zelda comparison, for as much as I enjoyed the Skyward Sword recently, it just doesn't hit the high notes of Okami in any way. Though Okami doesn't topple the best of the Zelda series, it absolutely trounces it on a significant number of different areas. Clover may continue through Platinum to release a continuous stream of high-quality releases, but the lofty heights of perfection they achieved here may yet take a little more climbing to reach once again. For all the slack Capcom has grown to know in recent years, they deserve applause for giving such a big budget to a game that may not have met with the largest commercial success, but will be remembered as a high-watermark on not just three consoles, but two entire generations of systems. Yeah, I couldn't find any um, development budget stats. I, I suspect it's n- never been made public. Mm, anyone way, got any? It? Yeah, I yeah, mean, no. if anyone out there knows, then please let us know. But uh, I think it's a secret. Um, yeah, last one. Tadino says. Uh, I only played the PS2 version, but even then it was magnificent. The graphics are incredible, even by today's standards. That added with a cast of memorable characters made me fall in love with the world of Japanese mythology. The use of the brush was something that I found weird at first, but soon got used to it, and from then on I was hooked. I haven't played anything like it then or since, but I'm trying out the Zelda series now that the comparisons... Oh, now given the comparisons, and I still have to play Okami Den at some point. Anyway, to me, one of the best games on the PS2, if not of all time. So pretty much positivity there from all people obviously a very special game to some now to boil people's feelings down into just three words uh, if we could continue in the same vein i'll start with uh, j70 uh, i'll see if i can pronounce it uh, supreme 
Suibokuga stylings. Uh, mm-hmm. That is the ink wash art style, but you probably don't say it like that. Uh, Scrussell says, beautiful, essential experience. Uh, Frozen Treasure says, beautiful PS2 Zelda. Tardino says, painting in motion. Huifs says, painty doggy magic. <laughs> Count Stex says, fun goes on. Ryan Ashley says, style over substance. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Fury AC3 or Fury Act 3? I think he's Fury Ace. I assume he's Fury Ace, Ace yeah, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. He's, he's so, a pun. Uh, these, these kids with their... He got called out in this, month's, uh, in this month's Retro Gamer Mag in the same column that uh, Joypod was mentioned in. Oh, nice. Uh, for insulting <laughs> Ian Lee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, art in motion. And Moose Grinder... Uh, who uh, dis- dis- described uh, Amateras on Twitter to me as a force of nature, which I liked. Uh, his three-word review is best Zelda ever. Now, to sum up our own feelings of the game, let's start with our guest, Sean Bell. Oh, yeah, put, me, put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I admit I... I bought the HD version pretty much just because I knew, like, you know, I'd asked if I could do this show and stuff, and I wanted to refresh my memory, but, like, I absolutely am so glad that I did. Um, mm. It still totally stands up. Um, there's none of the usual, you know, when you go, you play an HD remake, like, you know, Jet Set Radio, and it's like, ah, it's actually controls kind of terribly. There's none of that with Akami. I mean, aside from the niggles we mentioned, um, it's just, yeah, it's an absolutely superb game. Um, especially if you don't own the Nintendo console and you've always wanted to know how good Zelda games are, this, this is like, you know, a decent substitute, definitely. Thank you. Um, I will start with my negatives as I want to do with a game that I want to be nice about mainly. Um, <laughs> it does have some s- slow, unskippable text, uh, and it does have an off-putting linear staccato first hour or maybe more. It has, uh, I would say, ill-judged 2D digging mini-game that has no place in, in, in Akami for me. Um, it's absurdly easy, but as I say, I'm not even sure that that's really a problem when you're having fun for 42 hours. You know, who cares if you're not actually being killed every so often? Um, and it should be said that the HD version did lock lock up on me a couple of times, which and complete console hard lock as well, which is a pity. However, uh, I don't know if we mentioned, but it is jaw droppingly beautiful. Um, the as everyone said, a lot of people have said the PS2 version was one of, if not the best looking video game up until this generation uh, and I would argue that this HD version Hexadrive have done such a good job on it that it renders it competitive with any visual well I'm, I'm loath to go too far but I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen like anything out of anything <laughs> um, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps that is going too far but I mean it it's genuine <laughs> Um, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. That's... Yeah. Thank you. Um, it has a truly astounding soundtrack uh, with enormous breadth and depth. Um, it's warm, sweet and funny, but is dark re- when required. Uh, there's an insane amount to do and see. Uh, loads of atmospheric locations to explore that are ripe for exploring with fantastic caves and secrets and puzzles and things. Um excellent character advancement so even though you start as this you know hard to kill wolf god uh 
by the end of the game you are just a complete whirling dervish of powers and techniques and combos and weapons and a great feeling of empowerment terrific controls which is essential you know everything is crisp the double jump the the dodge move on the trigger all that feels great the combat with due to the enormous menagerie of enemies and uh, your enormous uh, roster of abilities becomes extremely deep and interesting even though it's not challenging in the sense that you're unlikely to die and the boss fights are similarly superb and clever and stylish um and the level design as i say throughout the dungeons and the open world is is just impeccable uh it's pure digital magic genuinely awesome that game gets bandied around a lot but i was genuinely in awe that human beings made this thing a lot of the time i was playing it it was life-affirming it gave me the same feelings that journey gave me but across 42 hours instead of two hours and it went straight to the epic shelf uh it would be my game of the year if i awarded such things magnificent james uh yeah um well that's a tough act to follow um (laughs) (laughs) i guess what i would say is I would definitely echo what you've got to say. When when I think about the visuals of this game, it's easy to 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 see why um, Ubisoft made Prince of Persia 2008 the way they did, mm. because that kind of art style, that painterly quality, going for an art style that's striking and and isn't bound to the resolution that it's displayed at, it just looks great no matter what it's displayed at and what it's displayed on is similar to the Nintendo sort of way of doing things and that's also what ties it to Zelda it means that it lasts it means that this game will go on it will continue to be played throughout the rest of this generation and it will probably be able to be released again next generation and stand up and the production values that that are imbued in the art design go through into the soundtrack and it just creates this wonderful world with all the mythology that they've brought together to to support it and underpin it. It makes it a world that I wanted to explore. Um, I love the fact that after you've sort of, certainly once you've met a boss, but also at the end of each act of the game, they give you some time to breathe. It feels like a lull in the story. And actually, after I got through the first third of the game, I, I almost thought, wow, it, it feels like I should be done now. Not least of all because it was already, you know, more hours than a lot of games um, are in their entirety. Um, but actually, it gave me a new world to explore, and it gave me new music to enjoy, and new characters to meet and and wonder and over and, and look at. Um, yeah, I, I've I've got to echo your sentiment, Leon, that this game is almost not quite entirely, but almost single-handedly uh, responsible for actually making me quite depressed about games in 2012 <laughs> because they're just not this good well, there are some you know um journey is a, is a great example the walking dead just having finished recently i enjoyed immensely but this is just something like a, a near or a bioshock that you can just sink into and and just absorb and you can take as much away from it as you want to and as much as you want to put in and the fact that you know a few google searches i was able to find all these you know folk tales and myths that the game is based on and just dig into a little bit more and i wanted to do that despite the fact that it was a 40 hour long game is is fantastic it yeah 
if if re-releases go on game of the year lists then this should be on it because the care and attention that's been put into making it in the first place and now being put into bringing it back in in HD and with both sets of controls so literally you can have your cake and eat it um, no matter which set of controls you would prefer to use um, not literally it, there's no cake <laughs> <laughs> but Yes, uh, yeah, actually, that's a pet peeve of yours, and you're right to keep it. You can't <laughs> Sorry, James. It. It's not that's literal. really it shitty is, of me. But. It is definitely metaphorical cake. <laughs> <laughs> there are cherry cakes, but they're, they're, they're ha- still metaphorical. You can literally have your controls and eat them. Um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you might go down with mercury poisoning. <laughs> Josh. Uh, I associate the winter of the previous generation with some of the best games ever made. I mean, you think about uh, Resident Evil 4, Shadow of the Colossus, and also Okami. And it, it amazes me how much creativity there was towards the end of that console cycle when you compare it to the end of this console cycle, where it feels like everyone's playing it safe there are lots of great games coming out but nobody's taking any real major risks apart from the indie community um okami for me is so different from any game that would have been released now i can't imagine this game being released as a retail product in this day and age the the amount of risks involved in terms of the way it's designed in terms of the way it looks visually um just its sense of humor the length of the game it it feels (sighs) playing it now it i kind of wish we could go back to that era where people had a bit more freedom in terms of what they could do with big budget releases um the zelda comparison is interesting because although it does borrow a lot from the zelda games i feel like it has its own unique personality and its own spirit which i don't feel games like darksiders do have i feel the uh, first darksiders especially borrows from so much that it feels like a soulless experience despite the fact that it's a relatively okay game whereas okami can stand on its own two feet it doesn't feel like it needs to um, constantly be compared to Zelda oh it's just a copy of Zelda no Okami is great in its own right Um, it looks fantastic as you guys have said the soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks for any game Um, and Ami is one of the most iconic characters in any video game. I think that look, that design is so striking and so memorable that she'll be haunting my dreams for many years to come. Uh, If you haven't played Okami, play it. If you're a fan of Zelda and you haven't played Okami, go and play it right now because it is honestly one of the best Zelda games. Well yeah, said. I mean, we we haven't even mentioned one thing that uh, was brought to my mind with the the wolf protagonist and and the battle of sort of nature versus uh, versus evil, if you like, is uh, Princess Mononoke. Um, I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I was constantly in my mind while playing this um, for those reasons. Yeah. Uh, worth saying actually that uh, the this HD version did get a physical release in Japan only. Currently, not no plans for a disc release in the US or Europe or Australia. But 
it's region free and it has the English language on the disc. So if you wish to own the disc or you don't want to download the how many gigs, it's about eight gig, I think, the download. Uh, there is a way you can import the disc version it'll probably set you back a bit but it means that you'll have a hard copy to own forever and cherish I'm almost tempted myself even though I have it on my hard drive (laughs) just to have a little box I can cradle it's kind of depressing (laughs) how it you know if you download it it like says Akami HD brackets download version Mm, like it's sort of inferior yeah yeah. (laughs) just to remind you (laughs) I'm pretty sure it isn't I'm pretty sure it's everything there oh yeah yeah I'm sure you can play along with Kane Rinse Volume 2 and get this. We've just about got our heads together and we now know the games that we're going to be doing between now and May 2013. So, coming up next week, we have Shenmue following... Ah, now, following that, we are supposed to have Papo and Joe. I've been in touch with the creator. Uh, unfortunately, he's on holiday at this point, so that may be subject to revision. Uh, after that, Devil May Cry 3, special edition, more Kamiya stuff. Then Applejacks 1 and 2, hopefully featuring the creator of that game, uh, Tim. Also Shenmue 2, finishing that series. Then The Walking Dead, Season 1. Everyone else is doing it, why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the dust will have settled, maybe we'll hear, have heard some more about Season 2 by that stage. Uh, next up a late change to the schedule it's going to be Spec Ops The Line and I think we're going to invite David Turner of Joypod on for that one you don't want to get him on he's an idiot <laughs> I know but <laughs> he'll only be upset uh, Crisis and Crisis 2 get a double show then Bioshock starts our series of Bioshock podcasts which is two podcasts uh, the Streets of Rage trilogy Starcraft 2 Wings of Liberty coming up after that uh which is Josh's hosting debut. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> He's excited about it. Then I Am Alive with special breast... Bre- special breast. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, th- I'm Issen. Am I Issen in disguise? <laughs> Freudian slip there. I'd like to say my girlfriend just came home, but she hasn't, so there's nothing to inspire that in front of me. Right. <clears throat> I'm Alive with special guest Brad Galloway of Game Critics. Then the Bioshock 2 show. We'll also talk about Minerva's Den, because you have to. Uh, After that, the Animal Crossing series. And maybe by then we'll know something about what the Wii U is going to have in terms of Animal Crossing. It should be the perfect home for an Animal Crossing game, shouldn't it? With Miiverse and all that stuff. We'll see. Nintendo may screw it up yet. Grand Theft Auto 4 and episodes from Liberty City, which should tie in with around the time that Grand Theft Auto 5 comes out. After that, we have James's hosting debut with Dark Souls, the most requested Kana Rince issue of all. <laughs> James is scared, but he'll be fine. <laughs> then Metro 2033, which may or may not coincide with THQ exploding or the release of Metro Last Light. And then, at my own request, XCOM Enemy Unknown, because it'll give me the excuse to finish the darned thing. I love it. The full schedule will be able to be found at some point on the blog at canarince.com. You should check out our Quick Rinse videos with Darren Gargett, Josh and Darren Foreman on the blog or the YouTube channel. Our Twitter is at canarince and our Facebook.com is canarince. We are grateful as ever for your support through iTunes, subscriptions, reviews and ratings. But most of all, come and join the forum at canarince.com slash forum. Just remains for me to thank special guest Sean Bell. Thanks, Sean, for coming on. Not a problem. Thanks for so, making me actually finish a Kami a second time. 
Yeah, I'm that's. I, did it. I need to come on more often because I actually I'll actually finish more games. It's good. Well, I was going to say, uh, would you come back for when? You know, who knows when it will be with us? But uh, God Hand, you've expressed an interest yes, in doing. Absolutely. And also, El Shaddai. Yes, mm. definitely. We should maybe do a Castlevania Lords of Shadow podcast as well. <laughs> that's just true. to get Sean to finish that. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, Sean can be found on not one but two podcasts because he's a massive narcissist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I host and produce uh, Midnight Resistance, um, which can be found at midnightresistance.co.uk or on iTunes or whatever. Um, and I'm also on Joypod, but I kind of just show up and say stuff. And then yeah. don't have to worry about the consequences on there. It's great. That's like me on Super Happy Fun Time Show. Uh, <laughs> um, and we're going to be doing a, the, the year-end show soon, aren't we, Leon? If, uh, yes, I understand that's still supposed to be happening. Send me an invite yes. and I'll I'm, be there. I'm supposed to be organising it, which is why nothing has happened. Okay. Uh, it, I'm free. I'm unemployed currently, so just say the word. <laughs> uh, also, to thank James and Josh, of course. And uh, we'll leave you some more with some more of that magnificent OST. Goodbye.